James, shut the fuck up. Oh, come on. Well, I tell you what, a song is going to be coming before the end of the show, Dan. My name is James Rowlands. In 2015, I teamed up with my friend Dan White to create the Dubbing Our podcast. Since then, we have been giving you everything that's happened on the WWE Network. Now, in 2018, not only are we live for the big four events and every NXT takeover, but we celebrate 20 years since the birth of the Attitude Era. Plus, every month we bring you 205 Live, collections, new content, WWE pay-per-views and latest news on the WWE Network. Until we've watched everything, we are with you, and we are the WNR. So yes, it is our Christmas special. The WNR presents its fourth annual Christmas special here today. We are at the WNR Cottage with an open fire, and our sacks are full of presents. On this very special show, we have the fourth annual WNR Awards, but it is Christmas, and Dan, you are uh, our past Christmas specials. You haven't always been in the Christmas spirit, but how are you today? I'm feeling a lot better. I don't know if it's because I'm winning predictions or I've pretty much spanked predictions. I'm feeling a lot more Christmassy. I think this year has been a, a very good wrestling year. Yeah, well, yeah, it has its ups and it's had its downs, and we'll go into finer details when we do our New Year's. A special where we have a look back at the year. But we're going to try and celebrate today. And, you know, everything that is Christmassy. And, of course, we've got all the WNR staples that we do. We'll be having a song later on as well. Let's not forget that. I always have to sing on the Christmas specials. Of course, like I say, the WNR Awards. But, uh, well, let's start with a look back to 2015-2017 in the WNR Awards. Because, obviously, we started the podcast way back in 2015. And we've been doing this now, like I say, this is our fourth one. And, Dan, you very kindly... Have gone back and kept a record of all the awards we have handed out. Were you surprised by any of them? A few of them I was surprised, yeah. You know, we started off and I think we was only doing... Well, in 2015, we'd done nine different awards. Mm-hmm. We upped that to ten. And now we've got... Jesus. A lot more awards, basically. Yeah, 20, 21 awards, it looks like. Plus, we're adding a couple more as well. So, we'll keep everybody informed. And everybody can, of course, let us know who they think their awards go to. Uh, we've always had the kind of main ones, though, haven't we? So every year we've always had entrance. Pay-per-view. Women slash diva. Match. Underrated. One to watch. Tag team stable. Move. And, of course, wrestler. And we'll bring that all to you. So let's go back to 2015, what our picks were. So, Dan, who was your entrance of the year that year? My entrance of the year was the Wyatts. You know, it was still relatively new. They was coming down, all the fireflies, and especially experiencing it in person, which is, it, it is just an awe-inspiring yeah. entrance. You know, everything's dark. All you've got is uh, lights and, you know, just swaying backwards and forwards. And it is quite mystical. Yeah, and I picked Age of the Untaker at Survivor Series. It was the 25th anniversary of Survivor or the 20th anniversary of the Untaker being there. One or the other. I think it's 25 years. And he was there and they had the video on the screen 
of uh, showing all the Undertaker's kind of, you know, past involvements and the kind of things that got me into a wrestling fan when I was a kid back in, you know, 92 when he was in the casket and stuff like that and, and nowadays as well. That was my entrance. Yes, uh, we go on to pay-per-view. Yeah, I mean, the early go pay-per-views. Mine was NXT take, TakeOver Brooklyn started the uh, same time as uh, uh, we did. So we're going into Brooklyn 4, of course, you know, we had that. Uh, so I picked Brooklyn. I think the main event there was Owens versus uh, Balor in a ladder match for the NXT title. I think we had Banks versus Bailey as well. Yes, and of course my um, amateurism was exposed there because my favourite event was, for some reason, Beast in the East. <laughs> well, you liked it. You liked it. That was Lesnar versus Kofi Kingston. <laughs> in uh, that classic in encounter. That uh, it was a month before I could think of Balor versus Owens again for the NXT title when Balor actually won, you know. Uh, but we're quite uh, similar on the woman of the year, in a way. I went Sasha Banks to 2015. Yes, and I went Bailey. Yeah. It's a shame what's happened to those two, really, since then, hasn't it, you know? Indeed it is, yes. Uh, so then we moved on to match of the year. I picked Bailey versus Banks at TakeOver Respect, which was the first ever Iron Woman match. Yeah, that was a very good match, if my memory correct me, uh, mm-hmm. serves me correctly. And uh, mine was Balor versus Neville at TakeOver Rival. Yeah, an event we actually didn't watch on the network as well, <laughs> which I thought was, you know, a, a, a good choice for you, maybe. Uh, and then underrated of the year. Yes, well, um, mine was Neville. Mm-hmm. I thought he was... Uh, Really underutilised for what he can do okay. in the ring. And if you look at Neville now, of course, you know, he's trying to make it pack, pack again on the independent scene. Mine is Stardust, and I'm glad to got that right as well. Yeah. Because <laughs> obviously Cody Rhodes, anything that he could accomplish, you know, that's good to see. One to watch. Now, this is, um, it is a weird one, you know. It's, it's a wrestler that we think is going to be big in the next year or so. Mine was Ryback. Oh, wah, wah, wah. Well, we always get one, don't we? I mean, I picked Apollo Crews, and they've not really done a lot with him in the meantime, have they? So, you know, uh, we'll see. But at least Apollo Crews is still employed with the WWE, so I suppose that's a good thing. Indeed, yes. And Ryback's currently doing uh, independent-style mm-hmm. wrestling. And then we've got Tag Team Slash Stable. Yep, mine was The New Day. Uh, they just formed, like, you know, a year previously. And they were doing their bits and pieces. And I thought, yeah, they've got a bit of chemistry. They will be my tag team of the year. And I was impressed by your choice that year as well. Yes, mine was Dash and Dawson. Well, they was known as, but now they're known as the Revival. And, you know, even still there, they could go in probably the underrated category. Now, I see by your awards of 2015, he's like, swayed by, like, kind of NXT as well. It seems that you obviously got into that. So, you know, Beast of the East featured NXT talent. Of course, you know, Neville's a part of that as well. Bailey. Bailey, the match of the year, you know. Uh, um, only the Whites, but even the Whites came through NXT in a weird way. Yeah. Uh, my uh, then move to the move of the year, Owen's pop-up powerbomb. I, he debuted in 2015 in WWE, and, you know, you got to admit, it's a really cool move. It is a cool move, yeah. It's, it's something that's slightly different, you know. It's a good variation of the powerbomb. Mine was Neville's Red Arrow. And, I, you know, I was absolutely awestruck at just the technicality that it must take just to hit a move yeah, like that. Without a doubt, you know, uh, it is a thing of beauty and uh, that's a good choice. And then rest of the year, the big award for 2015, 
I picked Seth freaking Rollins. He was just he just got injured in the September October of that. He had the WWE title reign, of course. But I think at that point he was kind of the hottest thing going. It was a shame that he got injured and, and missed out, you know. Uh, but I think Seth Rollins was a great choice. And Dan, mine was Dean Ambrose. Mm. I think he'd had quite an impressive run in 2015. You know, he was. Uh... I think he was slightly overshadowed by the other members of the Shield, but I you know I don't think that could take away from uh, what he had actually accomplished. Yeah, so there we go. So our first wrestlers of the years were Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose. Uh, so you know that was our first year, not really you know getting into it, and then we move on to 2016. We added one more award to that, like you said, RKO of the year. So should we start off with that? We could start off with our new one. Yes, uh, mine was on Brock Lesnar. Yes. And it was partway for a Paul Heyman segment. I remember it like it was yesterday. And uh, just as Paul Heyman says, you know, the RKO could be hit out of nowhere. He'll never be able to hit Brock Lesnar out of nowhere. And bang, just like that, Randy Orton ducked in the ring, hit Lesnar with an RKO out of nowhere, and it was absolutely beautiful. Yeah, no, no, it was, it was great, you know, and that's probably the most competitive Randy Orton looked against Brock Lesnar in that feud. Uh, so... <laughs> We had that. Mine was uh, on Kane turning heel and joining the Wyatt family. Again, I remember this for a weird reason. I thought because it wasn't kind of, it was just a kind of standard RKO. But what it meant for the Randy Orton character, it turned him heel, aligned him with the Wyatts, brought him a tag team title run, and eventually brought him the WWE title as well, didn't he? Because he beat Bray Wyatt at that WrestleMania. I think that was important for the Randy Orton character to still be relevant kind of in 2016 as it was. Yes, yeah, so and we go back to the top of the list again and uh, entrance of 2016. So entrance of 2016, mine was Bobby Roode on the plinth coming out. How can I forget at NXT TakeOver? One of the greatest entrances. I mean, they got Bobby Roode so right in NXT with the entrances and everything that came along. You know, And that match that Bobby Roode had versus your entrance of the year, basically, was kind of, it just felt like a massive moment because... Sometimes NXT might be lacking in that, but it just felt huge because you had Bobby Roode coming out on a plinth, then you had Nakamura, didn't you? Indeed, yes, and you had Nakamura coming out, and again, you know, it's something he came out with a violinist, and then another violinist, and then another violinist, and the violinist just kept coming, all playing in sync. Nakamura's tune, and it is, it was glorious. <laughs> well, actually, I'm a doubt. And then uh, pay for you the year. Mine was Survivor Series 2016. I honestly can't remember Survivor Series 2016, but if I picked it, I'm sure it was good. Dan? Mine was NXT TakeOver Dallas. Well, who can forget the main event was Goldberg versus Brock Lesnar with Goldberg oh, beating... <laughs> yeah, how can we forget that? Goldberg beating Lesnar in what was record time. Uh, 1 minute and 26. You had a 5-5 five five Survivor Series elimination match. Team SmackDown, which was Styles, Wyatt, Ambrose, Orton, and McMahon... But with James Ellsworth, defeated Team Raw, which was Braun Strowman, Jericho, Owens, Reigns, and Seth Rollins. Lee Bryan Kendrick defeated Kalisto. Uh, you had the 10 on 10 Survivor Series tag team match. And you had The Miz defeating Sami Zayn, single match for the WWE Incontinental title. A 5 5 women's match, Raw versus SmackDown. And that was about it. You had a Cruiserweight six man tag match on the kickoff, and you had Kane versus Harper. But yeah, Lesnar versus Goldberg. I must have really been into that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it was probably the shock factor with yeah, the Goldberg yeah, yeah. thing. But mine, uh, NXT TakeOver Dallas. It was a meet in the revival to catch the NXT Tag Team Championships. Austin Aries, remember when he was part? Yeah. And he defeated Baron Corbin. Oh, my 
God. You had Shinzuki fucking Nakamura defeating Sami Zayn. That was when he made his debut. Indeed, yes. Oscar capturing the NXT Women's Championship from Bailey. Oh, my God. And Finn Balor defeating Samoa Joe. Wow. So, there's that sounds like two good shows, actually. So, go back and watch them. Of course, if we've picked them out for our events, they must be good. Uh, Women of the Year. Again, second year in a row for me. I went Sasha Banks. Sasha Banks got the... Second Women of the Year award. I mean, again, I was a huge, and still am a huge Sasha Banks fan, but they're just kind of not using her enough. Yes, and uh, I had to agree with you because I also went for Sasha Banks. You know, I I just think you'd kind of converted me to a bankhead (laughs) or a banker. I I just think she was uh, very impressive. Well, my match of the year was Cena versus Styles at Money in the Bank. And Styles, he made his debut... At the Royal Rumble that year, you know, I don't know if it was just because I was in awe of seeing AJ Styles, but I I think he had a great match with John Cena because, as we know, John Cena's history, if he's with a good opponent, he can pull out a very good match. And Styles came in and, like I said, Seth Rollins was out with injury and AJ Styles came in and just picked out that kind of baton as soon as he walked out of the Royal Rumble and was delivering these kind of five-star matches on scene, and also a cracking match. My match of the year was Miz versus Ziggler at No Mercy 2016. Ziggler put his career on the line to have an opportunity against the Miz. Miz was a cracking Intercontinental Champion, uh, and had just done his you know, talking smack thing with Daniel Bryan. Uh, and Ziggler, uh, who at that point in time wasn't featured at all, Gave it his all. It was like a 20-minute match, and I thought it was really well put together. Ziggler getting a victory, and that was my match of the year. Um, underrated. Yours, James? My underrated was Rusev, and I think I was spot on with that. I mean, you think about what they could do with Rusev. He can play uh, a heel really well, a kind of you know anti-authority figure, uh, like we've seen on SmackDown recently as well, a comedic character with Lana. You know, there's a lot of stuff that that guy can do. Plus, he's, for a big man, very impressive in the ring. Uh, still a great wrestler and very entertaining. There's something likeable about Rusev, and I think most definitely he'd been underutilised still in WWE. Indeed, yes. Mine was Cesaro. I think, you know, at that point he was just starting to find a groove. I, I don't think he's even part of the bar yet. I think he's feuding with Sheamus, you know, and they were just starting yeah. kind of that out. But it's weird that both our picks for kind of uh, underrated our champions now two years later in WWE spoiler alerts for anybody who's not oh, seen Smackdown anybody who's not seen Smackdown uh, next week's Smackdown next week's Smackdown even yeah uh, one to watch for the year mine Ember Moon oh fuck again like you know became NXT Women's Champion to Oscar to the limit afterwards and of course now on the main roster Dan you're a huge fan of Ember Moon at the moment aren't you, you I know? am a huge uh, Moonhead Mooner Mooney I'm a huge Mooney. And who's your one to watch, Dan? Well, James, I think after all the hype that you built up for him in the first few episodes, because as you know, previously mentioned, I have gone back through the WNR archives. I've been listening to a lot of cassette tapes of previous podcasts, and yeah, I, you know, I thought Corbin he he had the look, but I just don't think he kind of delivered. No, no, I think that's, been, that's, that's fair enough. He, he didn't really deliver, did he? And now he's been a kind of whipping boy of the entire W. Ross is kind of getting blamed for it. Uh, so we'll see if Corbin can recover. Uh, Tag Team Stable of the Year, I copied you from 2015. I got on the Revival for 2016. Uh, and again, like you said, great tag team. In NXT, didn't put a foot wrong. Uh, worked really, really well. You know, what went wrong on Raw, we just, we just don't know. But who's your tag team? Mine was Jericho. 
It was, you know, the festival of friendship. He had kind of the Jericho list coming into that. You know, Jericho, as if we haven't raved enough about him, he's always been an awesome character ever since we've kind of watched him from the WCW days. And, you know, Kevin Owens as well. You know, he had the shark cage match with Jericho in it. Um, Yeah, you know, it, it was just absolutely... I don't know, I just kind of dug their team. Yeah, I know, you were really into it, and uh, that was your tag team of the year. Move of the year was the Shield 2.0 on AJ Styles. Yeah, so move of the year, Dan? Yes, move of the year. Mine, have you already done yours? No, no, but we've got the same move, so I'll let I you know. do it. <laughs> we've both got Thanks. the same move. Oh, yes, mine was Shield 2.0 on AJ Styles. They kind of... We formed for a brief moment at Survivor Series to triple powerbomb AJ Styles through the announce table. And, you know, it probably wasn't so much the move. It was just the fact of who was doing the move. Yeah. And, you know, it kind of like, oh, could they get back together again and, at some point? And what a huge pop it was when it actually happened as well. You know, the fans really, really into it. Uh, we had Wrestle of the Year, our final award of 2016. Uh, and I picked AJ Styles. Like I said, matches of the year, you know, against um, John Cena at Money in the Bank and just constantly performing in 2016. A great run with Roman Reigns as well at pay-per-views. Uh, and was just, like you said, Rollins went away and AJ picked it up and AJ ran with it in 2016, you know. And Dan, who's yours? Well, James, I went completely different to you. I went for AJ Styles. For AJ Styles was your rest of the year. So that's the 2016 awards. Right, before we move on to 2017 awards and, and other stuff, let's just do a bit of uh, news and new content. So we're going to talk about TLC Fallout because we had uh, TLC, of course, that was our last podcast that we released, and we had a big Raw and a big SmackDown happening afterwards. Now, I think the big news story coming out of Raw and, indeed, SmackDown wasn't kind of anything that really happened Wise, it was the news right at the start, wasn't it, Dan? You know, well, yes, it was that Vince McMahon was going to appear the following night on Monday Night Raw to shake things up. So, Mr. McMahon showed up and he was there on Raw, but then he introduced Triple H, Stephanie, and Shane McMahon to come down. And, and they had a huge announcement, a, a, a massive shake up to the WWE. All three of the younger family members said they were taking back control of Raw and SmackDown Live, the four of them together. Triple H said that they're going to see new faces, new stars and new concepts. And Vince finished it by saying, as long as they give fans what they want, WWE will not be then, will not be now, it will be forever. So what are you making of this statement, Dan, of the McMahon's finally taking control? It does open up promise. I think it is kind of a bit out of order that they've pushed it all on Baron Corbin when every single person knows that everything goes through Vince McMahon. You know, I I honestly don't think that's right, you know, because it's obviously tarnishing, well, the good name that Baron Corbin had left, you know, which wasn't that much. And, um, you know, I think they should just hold their hands up and say, look, you know, we've been dicks. They're going to say, we're going to give the fans... 
pretty much creative control of what they want. I don't think we're going to get much creative control, but, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, the news coming out of it is that, you know, Finn Balor is going to get a push from it and other people who think, you know, the fans kind of like. But like I said, it is the man's and it is Triple H who are writing the show. His team of writers on Raw, the product's so bad, you know. And due to advertising, is that Raw has to be three hours and it is affecting the show. It's affecting it badly. And... Now, the man to come out and say this, I just don't know. You know, it's just kind of like, what can they do to change it? They're always going to do the same thing. Do you know what I mean? They're not. It's always going to be what the man's want to do as opposed to what the fans want to do. And like I said with Corbin, I felt really sorry for him, you know. And it's just like, you know, I'll just blame it all on him. And everybody knows it falls with the writers on Raw. And on SmackDown, I felt really sorry for Paige as well. Because I think Paige has been doing an excellent job, you know. Yes, but they've kind of put it not down to Paige. They've put it down, you know, it's, <clears throat> again, them taking control. Paige isn't b- being removed permanently. She's going to fight, get something found elsewhere. But I don't think they needed to change SmackDown. You know, SmackDown wasn't no. the issue. I've, I've been really enjoying SmackDown these past few months, especially with kind of, you know, like Brian Stiles feud, the tag team division. Well, we'll move on to SmackDown summary. When SmackDown Summer is here, no, we'll Raw just do it. We'll now. just do it all in one. Do it in all one go. I mean, there wasn't enough stuff on Raw and SmackDown to really write home about, was there? You know, nothing actually changed. No, there was no change into it. You had Balor versus Ziggler, which is kind of what's been going on anyway. And at end with McIntyre with disqualification to join both of yeah. them. Tyler Breeze um, open challenge. The Open Challenge King, but this time it was Dean Ambrose's Open Challenge. And Dean Ambrose can barely beat Tyler Breeze, so, you know, that makes him look nice and strong. Yes, um, Bobby Lashley and Elias, you know, that, that's that been changed up because it was actually Elias hitting Bobby Lashley this time. Yeah, I'm, I'm so glad this feud is continuing. Yes, uh, we did have a Fatal 4 number one contenders match, though, for the Tag Team Championships. And the Revival, after being bigged up by Seth Rollins the week before, they the Authors of Pain and the Lucha House Party. And then, uh, yeah, of course, you had Ronda Rousey saying what she did at TLC. But I think the best part of Raw was the gauntlet match to determine the new number one contender for the Raw women's title. Yeah, I mean, it was a good match, wasn't it? But we kind of knew who was going to win that. Natalia was going to get the job done because they have been building it really right. And we know there's a storyline there between her and Ronda Rousey anyway. So, you know, it's kind of like, all right, yeah, they're changing it up so they put women on, you know, in the main event. But there's a lot of stuff they're going to do. And they're going to nick Becky Lynch and Charlotte and bring that over to Raw as well to try and make that more entertaining. Which, you know, so, so you know, they they need to, to do that. But I felt, like I said, I felt a bit sorry for SmackDown in all this because it's like, again... I don't want to see McMahon. It's it's like they come out and they say, we're going to change everything for what it normally is. And then they do a 20-minute promo at the beginning. Do you know what I mean? And it's exactly the same as any Raw where the McMahons are on. It's just like, just we change it up. You know, start of a match, maybe. But the promise of Vince McMahon actually upped their viewership quite a lot. You know, it did. It did. You know, it added a, a few hundred thousand. But there's a lot that needs to be done to the Raw audience to build it up again. And I think the same with SmackDown as well, because Fox are asking for a lot of viewers um, when it jumps over to uh, Fox in September. So, I mean, that would be an interesting thing to watch. But I, I don't think Raw was anything special, especially coming after a, p- a pay-per-view. There was nothing really there that kind of, you know, made me excited. Uh, with all the, the talk of change, you know, I think SmackDown's been good, whereas Raw is, is in a serious problem right now. 
So I don't know how we're all going to fix it. I really don't. They need they need new tag teams. They they need new focus. They need a a, a singles title. A, a, the the heavyweight title. The universal championship needs to be there. So the wrestlers actually got something to fight towards. You know, and the Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins feud is killing Raw at the moment because no one cares about it. And I never thought anybody wouldn't care about an Ambrose versus Rollins feud, but it's just flat as fuck, you know? Yeah. It's, it's like leaving, lemon, you know, Iron Brew out after a couple of days and it, it, it just it's just falling flat like the fans don't care. The most over storyline in WWE at the moment is Becky Lynch and Charlotte and what's going on there. And people are eventually going to turn against Ronda Rousey. Most definitely, and... You know, yeah. I've, I've always been in the against Rousey column, so you know you can't yeah. you can't tar me with uh, following the sheep. So SmackDown summary, then Dan, you said you were going to mention it. Quick. What were your thoughts of SmackDown this week? I thought SmackDown, you know, it was quite consistently good. You know, we start off with um, Becky Lynch coming out saying, like, you know, just because I haven't got the title, I'm still the man, blaming Ronda Rousey. Charlotte came out, and you know they've had their back and forth, and then Oscar come. The new women's champion, she came out, and Vince McMahon, he actually made a surprise appearance. Well, it was a, it was a surprise because this appearance was unannounced. He basically said, "Look, if you want retribution on um, Ronda Rousey to Becky Lynch and Charlotte, go do it." You know, he's kind of said, "You know, if you want to get back at her, you'll find a way." <laughs> so, and the match has been announced now. We know at the Royal Rumble it's going to be Becky Lynch. Versus Oscar for the SmackDown Women's Style. Has it though? Because yeah. Paige tweeted out after that. Because that was announced on... Uh, main event. Main event. Yeah. But Paige said, I thought I had enough power to get one more match in. It wasn't, oops, my bad. Oh, and she so actually tweeted that from her account. Well, because Becky Lynch has got to be one of the favourites now in a Rumble match if she hasn't got an opportunity. you know. And the same thing with Charlotte. Did make Oscar look a bit foolish because of course... Did she win it by fluke, you know? Because Rousey took out Lynch and Charlotte, did it give Oscar the opportunity? Does it make her look weaker? Oscar can recover from this, but they need to book her strong. You know, they need to put her out there and just go through the opponents because let's make her kind of unstoppable again now, you know? Let's give Oscar a chance, at least WrestleMania, you know, defending the, the Women's Championship as well. But uh, no, I think SmackDown's right. The tag team division as well on SmackDown finally coming to life as well, isn't it, you know? Indeed, yes. As you know, we previously mentioned Shane McMahon announced that Paige is stepping down as general manager. He said that she's going to get into a new undefined position. I don't know whether that's on her back. I'm sure or... Shane will find the right position for her, you know. Indeed, yes. But it's a bit of a shame that she is going. But oh, again, I was so happy about the fucking tag teams. I don't really care about Paige. I mean, Paige, yeah, she's, she's doing all right. Will she come back as manager? <clears throat> Why don't she come back and manage Sonia Deville and... Um... Mandy Rose and bring back Absolution and or something like that, you know, do something like this. But uh, we had the the like I say the, the tag teams are great because the Usos, New Day, and the Bar are great tag teams anyway, aren't they? they and, are and then you throw into the mix uh, the Good Brothers that finally showed up after however long they did, you know, and they finally get involved. They had a match with the Usos, the Day or the Bar. Uh, New Day versus the. Usos, the bar came down, started walking down the rampway, and then from out of nowhere, yeah. Sanity came and attacked them from behind, took out all five men, you know, three of the New Day, two of the Usos, and the bar was just like, all right, then they stopped in their tracks. And then just after Sanity had finished beating down the five guys, they walked out the ramp, kind of had a bit of a face-to-face with the bar, and then Seamus and Cesaro, for some reason, started going down to the ring and kicking the shit out of 
the already limp and lifeless bodies of the New Day and the Usos. No, oh, right. So they just made themselves look like dicks. Yeah, well, Sanity are around, and like I said, the Good Brothers are back as well, and they got a huge victory on SmackDown, uh, spoiler alert as well, coming up on a Christmas Day episode. It's great to see them uh, back. It's great to see Sanity back as well, and these five teams, like how strong the SmackDown tag team division actually is, you know. It's a great thing to see, and this is what SmackDown needs to keep doing. Yes, and uh, as far as changing up things go, you had Samoa Joe attempting an intervention for Jeff Hardy. I mean, that was completely ridiculous, but... You know, again, for, you know, new opportunities, you had Naomi getting an opportunity against Oscar for the WWF SmackDown Women's Championship. Of course, Oscar won it. Yeah. But Naomi, Naomi's a, a great talent, you know. Let's, let's not forget that. And it was a good match between the two. Naomi. Oh, that's Smile Joe. I'll tell you what about Smile Joe that I like. Uh, he's really good on the microphone. And I don't think he gets enough credit for that. I think he's really good in getting that character across. Uh, yet he still moved on to Jeff Hardy and talk about his personal demons as well, which WWE always seem to do. But uh, well, you had the Miz and Mandy Rose versus R Truth and Carmella. So R Truth and Carmella, after winning the mixed match challenge, they've been buried by the Miz and Mandy Rose. Yeah, that's brilliant. Uh, the Usos versus Ganderson. Yeah, I mean the Usos versus. Oh, that's that's yeah. what happened. Yeah, it went to a no contest because Sanity showed up. Yeah. yeah. So the, the Usos were there. They were fighting the Good Brothers. Like I said, Sanity came down and just beat the crap out of him. Really, really good. You know, like you say, with Ganderson involved, with Sanity involved, with New Day, with the Bar, and the Usos, it's just a great tag team division. Huh? Yes, but the main event was absolutely brilliant. And that was Daniel Bryan and the 311 boy Andrade Cien Almas going against AJ Styles and SmackDown Live's newest recruit, Mustafa Ali. And, you know, after the brilliant performance that he'd put in, well, brilliant, but he put in a very good performance against Daniel Bryan uh, previously. But, you know, he got to team up with AJ Styles and with the inverted 450 splash. Yeah. He managed to finish off the WWE champion. Yeah, after nearly breaking his neck. But the reverse 450 got the job done. Uh, Ali is making the most of his chance. I don't know where it came from. We've been talking about him for a long time on 205 Live. He's a great character. And is, you know, is he the new generation kind of one, two, three kid or something like that? Is he the new kind of baby face guy? I don't know what they're doing, but it's a, it's a great thing that they are doing with Mustafa Ali. Uh, a bit worrying about the Daniel Bryan situation. Situation. But they did say that, or Bryan said that he was fine and no problems afterwards. And there was an interview, Ali said sometimes when he jumps off the top, he do not know what he's doing, he just closes his eyes, then hits the target. But he gets a victory. So are we going to see Mustafa Ali versus Daniel Bryan match for the W Championship at some point? Potentially, yes. Uh, the f- my favourite thing about that was you could see exactly how much it meant to Mustafa Ali during and after the match, because he was constantly smiling. Yeah. And that is someone that, you know, you definitely know he's not phoning it in because of the brilliance he can perform in the ring. You know, you just know it's someone that appreciates exactly what he's got and where he is. Yeah, no, no fair play to him. Uh, and like I said, Raw Smack, they're going to be a little bit affected the next couple of weeks. Smack's going to stay. And then New Year's Day as well, which is going to be great for it. So let's all pre-recorded. So the next proper Raw and SmackDown will be going to be the 7th and 8th of January, if I'm right about that. Uh, but that's it I mean, for this year. I mean, what have you thought of Raw and SmackDown? What's, <laughs> it's a bit of a silly question because you usually go, what's the better brand this year? You know, or whatever that is. 
Uh, I, I think Raw is, is seriously struggling at the moment, and it's kind of smacked down being top. Like, so we're going more detail about that, actually, on New Year's, the end-of-year kind of review. Bit of new content, then. And WWE's giving its network subscribers an extra treat this holiday season with 12 days of hidden gems on the network. The, all the events will be Christmas-themed, and it's kicking off with world-class championship wrestling event from 1981. The Christmas Styles event is missing three matches, but here are the following matches you can see on the network listing. Within the last hour, the Christmas Star Wars event from 1981 was added. The Christmas Star Wars event from 1981 was added. This was one of Big Time Wrestling's, the future WCCW, biggest show of the year. Unfortunately, it isn't the complete show, as three matches are missing that took place on the night. However, it must be remembered that this was never intended for TV viewing. It was effectively just a large local show and the network team may well have just pieced it together as best they could from their archive. With that in mind, here is the card for this network version. you got Ernie Ladd versus Jose Lafario for the world-class brass knuckles title. That's a fucking title yeah. belt. Championship don't have anymore. El Solitaro versus Tim Brooks. Fritz Ray Kabuki in a Texas death match. Kerry, Kevin and David Von Erick versus Frank Dusek, Bill Irwin and Ten Go. And a two-ring battle royal as well. I mean, that was just the first event. Like I said, they're releasing them up until Christmas. So day two, December 15th, was the AWA Christmas night, 1981. AWA, uh, Greg Gagne and Jim Vazell battle a rough and rugged team with Jerry Blackwell and Sheik Adan al Kassi. Day three was a holiday message. And in 1992, Macho Man Randy Savage teams up with legendary New York Yankees owner George Steinbrenner to offer a very macho holiday message. Day 4th, December 17th, AWA Christmas night, 1982. W Hall of Famers joined forces when Hulk Hogan teams with Tito Santana to face Ken Patera and Bobby Duncan in AWA action. And day five was Mid-South Christmas Nights, 1983. Butch Reed and Jim the Anvil Neidhart puts the Mid-South tag titles on the line against Magnum TA and Mr. Wrestling 2, Two. in a steel cage match. Day six, December 19th, AWA Christmas Night, 1983. The AWA Heavyweight titles on for gra- up for grabs when Hall of Famers Nick Bockwinkle and Mad Dog Vachon go to war on Christmas Night, 1983. And, and Christmas da- Day and Night Wrestling was a kind of tradition, could stop now, but uh, it was a tradition, the biggest crowd, you know, the biggest event of the year usually would be the Christmas event. Everybody would go after their dinner to go and watch professional wrestling. Day seven was the AWA Christmas Nights, 1984. And on Christmas night, 84, Kurt Henning and Nick, Bock- and Nick Bockwinkle battle it out in AWA action. Day 8, December 21st, is Smoky Mountain Wrestling Christmas Chaos. Mick Foley takes on Bruiser Bedlam at the Christmas Chaos event in 1994. Uh, day 9 is the AWA Brawl in St. Paul. And on Christmas night, 86, Sean Michaels and Marty Tinetti look to claim the AWA Tag Team Championships from Buddy Rose and Doug Summers. And that's it. We've got another three to come. Uh, we can't wait to bring you that. But also we've got other new content as well. WWE Network will air four new original shows next week between Christmas Day and New Year's. Oh, my fucking days. The first one is called Fashion Files Cold Case Unit and will air on Christmas Eve at 11 o'clock, immediately following the conclusion of Monday Night Raw. 
the show hosted by Fandango and Tyler Breeze will take a look and try to find out who threw pie in Kevin Owens' face last year. Yeah. On Christmas Day, Xavier Woods will host Xavier's Arcade Challenge. The show airs at 7.30pm. We'll have the New Day member invading the arcade scene in the city of brotherly love, seeking a challenge in the retro gaming classic NBA Jam. Bo Dallas will host the WWE Kitchen Showdown on Thursday, December 27th, starting at 7pm. This show will feature Dana Brooke, Alicia Fox and Curtis Axel competing in a cook-off for for guest judges Enns Kantner, Noel Foley and Mark Henry. And not least, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson host the Botch Club on Friday, December 28th at 7pm. This will look at the botches that happen during wrestling shows with a special look at the infamous Titus Welsh slide at the Greatest Royal Rumble. So four very good shows coming to you on the WWE Network. But let's get back now to the WNR Awards. And let's finish up 2017 before we uh, have a break and do a, the WNR Awards for 2018. So let's go back to 2017 then. And we added, like I say, a shit ton of awards for that. We start off with Comeback. Holy shit, one and two. Oh, we Most improved. Johnny Gagano Award for most punishment. <clears throat> the Johnny Gagano Award for Most Punishment Taken in a Match. Yeah, we've got Better Off Love. Overrated. Tweet. And that was the one, so we added eight more awards to that then. So let's start off then uh, with comeback of 2017. Dan, who did you go for? Not that he actually went away for long, but he came back. And you were impressed by that? Not really, looking back. No, no. Well, you know, some you know, some people would say it's... I went Drew McIntyre for comeback of 2017. You know, he came back, uh, became NXT champion and basically dominated, and he's still dominating now, everything in his pathway. So McIntyre for me was a great choice. Came over you, not a great choice, but hey, it's always this year to, to sort that out. What was your um, holy shit moment? We had a good holy shit and we had a bad holy shit, Dan. No, we didn't. You just had two good holy shit moments. <laughs> So holy no, it, shit. Wasn't, it wasn't actually put of a bad holy shit or a good holy shit. It was oh. just holy shit. So what was your holy shit moment then? Um, one of them was the super duper plex at War Games. And that was Adam Cole getting super duper plexed off the top of the cage at War Games. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was real. Uh, I had a bad and a good one. My uh, bad one was Jinder Mahal, WWE Champion, beating Randy Orton at Backlash. One of the most shocking moments WWE history, uh, and that's why it was holy shit. And my second moment was Shane McMahon's cage dive when he jumped off the cage, aiming to hit Kevin Owens, who was then pulled off by Sami Zayn. Which was a mental moment because, like I said, Shane McMahon could have seriously hurt himself. And my other holy shit moment, the good one, was Hardy's return at WrestleMania, being part of the ladder match. The four teams coming out, what a huge pop it was, what WrestleMania moment it was, and becoming tag team champions. That was absolutely brilliant. Uh, most improved. Who have you got most improved 2017, Dan? I went for Roman Reigns Ooh. because I thought he'd had a very few good matches. His, I think he was allowed the leash off in some of his promos as well, you know, so he was kind of given a bit of free reigns, so to speak, and... You know, he was kind of revealing himself a bit better and thought he'd, even in ring, he'd, he'd approved. Yeah, well, that, I mean, I can exactly see where it's going. You know, Reigns improving and becoming like the guy 
in 2017. Mine was The Miz. I mean, The Miz was just great on the mic, in the ring, and, and he's, he's still so great, but his matches were just getting better and better. And I can't remember the last time I saw a bad Miz match, uh, and, and I think The Miz improving 2017, and hopefully 2019, he becomes WWE Champion again. Well, you know, just like my comeback Kane, your most improved Miz, you know, we don't always have good calls. But um, you comparing the bits to your cane comeback. Yep. <laughs> but we go on to a special award. Dan has been drinking today, by the way. It's, Christ- it's our Christmas special. What can I say? He always has a drink. Fuck knows what you've been taking uh, then last year. An award I came up with, which was a great, I think, uh, one of the, uh, probably our best awards that we do. The Johnny Gagano Award for Most Punishment Taken in a Match. I mean, this was given out to Johnny Gagano back in, I think, May of 2017 after he'd been in a hellacious uh, ladder match with uh, the Authors of Pain at TakeOver, where he, he got the granny, as people would say, kicked out of him uh, in a losing effort. And we thought, oh, my God, what a lot of punishment. But it wasn't over there, was it, Dan? No, because his tag team partner, Tommaso Ciampa, turned on him and... Uh inflicted further punishment on him as well and just beat the absolute sod out of him, sent him through the announce table and, yeah, you know, it, it fucked him right up and he'd just been through a lot. Yeah, yeah, so that was the Gagano Award. Would he win it for a second time later on? We just don't know. Uh, better off last year, Nakamura down because Nakamura had uh, come up to the main roster and not a lot had been done with him yet. Little did we know that he would go on to win the Royal Rumble like a month later, which should have really been one to watch in 2017 as opposed to that. But he was better off because he was treated as a proper star. And I don't think SmackDown knew. And they still don't know how to use Nakamura, do they? So, you know, even if he won the Rumble, they didn't go all out with him. And I think it's a mistake. And I think Nakamura might have been better off in NXT than he was in WWE. Yes, and kind of, you know, in a similar light to that, I went for Bobby Roode. I mean, you know... The year before, he was riding high in NXT. He was having good matches. His character was very over, you know, and everyone enjoyed what he was doing. He was a heel and he was a cocky heel. He gets moved up to the main roster and he's a baby face. And, you know, he was still relatively over with the fans, but I just of where it stopped. You know, he wasn't doing anything overly spectacular. Yeah, yeah. and I think this is the thing with Bobby Roode, that he has struggled... Even though he's your tag team champion now, which is weird. Uh, we move on to the most overrated, and I went for Brock Lesnar. Now, people go, oh, yeah, of course. But I've been a huge Brock Lesnar fan. And I think 2017 is the year I finally gave up on him completely. Uh, just There was no point for Brock Lesnar doing the same thing over and over again. Will he win it for the second year in a row? You know, there is a huge chance. Dan, who was yours? Mine was Triple H. Come back in... Well, it, it kind of sporadically appeared. Was it that it was that Survivor Series where he took it upon himself to win the Survivor Series mm. tag team match when he didn't need to? Yeah. And yeah, you know, I just think, come on, mate, look, yeah, nearly twenty years in the business. Why do you need to? Have a think about yourself. Yeah, and he's still doing that. Well, apart from the injury, but he made himself the forefront of the 
The Undertaker come back. Shawn Michaels come out of retirement. Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania. You know, he still plays, and he's still head of the not the authority, but now you know part of the action of Monday Night Raw. Plus, he still plays the face Triple H on NXT. So it's kind of you know he does put himself around a lot, and I can definitely see Triple H. A tweet that this is you know we we came up or you came up last year, Dan. Who was your tweet? What was your tweet, James? Uh, my tweet of the year was Finn Balor, Balor not overcooked because they were saying about how Balor wasn't over. Or Vince McMahon thought that, and uh, Finn Balor was posting not stuff turkey overcooked for turkey for Christmas and stuff like this, and he even had the t-shirt made and stuff. So that was my tweet of the year. Because Dan took mine. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't whatsoever. Well, mine was one of James's favourites. To another of James, it's very simple, and it was just after Drew McIntyre had beaten Bobby Roode for the NXT Championship, and it was out of time, so say goodbye. What is yours, now is mine. And for Drew McIntyre fans, that was basically his previous theme when he was the chosen one. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Uh, that was a great tweet of the year. Uh, we also had RKO the year, Dan, who was yours? Mine was on Aiden English, and it was um, it was when Rusev Day was very big. Aiden English was on like a plinth singing Orton's theme song with um, Rusev. You know, you know the uh, the way Rusev Day in the theme of Randy Orton's theme song, and again, just out of nowhere, Orton comes in. Hits a RKO, and then hits Rusev with an RKO as well. Absolutely oh, yeah. beautiful. Mine was uh, again more not what the RKO, but what it meant was him hitting the RKO on Bray Wyatt WrestleMania, winning the WWE title for the thirteenth time. Uh, so you can see how last year's RKO was him joining the Wyatts, and this one was definitely getting one over on Bray himself and walking out to WrestleMania as W champion. I mean, what a moment it would have been if Dan had picked his man to win at that WrestleMania, but. Right, so entrance of the year last year, Dan. Mine was Finn Balor at TLC coming out as the Demon King. And again, you know, um, despite in the early years of seeing Finn Balor, I actually thought he was a boogeyman type ripoff. But getting to know and appreciate Finn Balor, seeing him come out as the Demon King, you know he means business. And... Yeah, you know, just him coming out in the makeup, all the mystic of it, and that it was absolutely perfect. Yeah, I mean, the, the demon one is a brilliant entrance, you know. And my entrance of the year was uh, Drew McIntyre coming out with the uh, the bagpipes, and you know, the guys coming out playing the bagpipes with the kilts, and it's just perfect for McIntyre. And of course, he went on that was at, at Brooklyn winning the NXT title that night as well. It was just perfect for Drew McIntyre. Indeed, yes, and we go on to pay-per-view of the year. Now, mine was NXT TakeOver San Antonio, the very first pay-per-view of 2017. In the main event, Nakamura losing to Bobby Roode for the NXT title. I got out of that. I think that's what swayed me a little bit, but I always always remember Bobby Roode beating uh, Nakamura. Dan, what was your pay-per-view? My pay-per-view was NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 3. And uh, you had Andrade Cien Almas, the kind of newly resurged Cien, defeating Johnny Gargano. You had Sanity defeating the Authors of Pain for the NXT Tag Team Championships. 
you had my man Ali B defeating Hideo Itami in, I think, NXT TakeOver match. You had Oscar defeating Ember Moon. Again, these two women had brilliant yeah. matches for the NXT Women's Championship. And, of course, the match that you just mentioned... Drew McIntyre defeating Bobby Roode for the NXT yeah. Championship. I loved NXT in 2017. Honestly, it was absolutely brilliant. Uh, yeah, I mean, two great pay-per-views and surprising again, NXT TakeOver events. Uh, there's only been one pay-per-view out of the six that we've chosen over the past you know, times. there have been one WWE one. That's Survivor Series 2016. Beast of the East featured NXT matches, so I'm not counting that. So cause it had an NXT main event. So, <laughs> but then you know, but then again, if you look at it, there's probably about five matches on each of the NXT takeovers. I think there's only about five or six matches on Beast of the East as well. Yeah, exactly. So, so again, you yeah. know, I think despite what women say, longer isn't always better. Yeah. Well, talk about women. Uh, the women's rest of the year, I have picked 2015, 2016. I of course went for Oscar in 2017. No one was ready for Oscar. Even we wasn't. No. I think even in one of her first takeover events, I went against Oscar. I know. Like an idiot. If only <laughs> I knew. But I also went for Oscar as woman of the year because she had a phenomenal year. And, you know, basically 2017 was her oyster. It uh, was. 2018 should have been her oyster. It should have been. But 2017 was, like I said, the year. Of Oscar. Match of the year for me, uh, only one choice really. Tyler Bate versus Pete Dunne NXT Chicago. A match, if you still go back and watch it, uh, is fantastic. And another great fact about it is that's where Pete Dunne won the NXT UK title. <laughs> so that <laughs> Dunne is still holding the championship from that matchup. It was perfect and it was, it was two British guys. It just stole Chicago basically, didn't it? It was a kind of, you know, 10 out of 10, five star. And what was yours? Mine... Again, you know, last year I went for Cena versus Styles at Money in the Bank. <clears throat> Cena versus Styles at the Rumble was even better than that. Yeah. Cena capturing his 16th heavyweight championship in, you know, what was easily a five-star match. Absolutely delivered. I think it took a super AA to finally put AJ Styles down. Yeah, didn't it? You know, and it was it was brilliant. Uh, a match. Uh, it's two great matches there. All right. So underrated. Uh, I picked Ty Dillinger. Ty Dillinger is still employed with the WWE. The perfect ten. Just not getting employed right. He's out injured. I know we reported hand, it. Hand we we did report his hand injury, but it's a shame they're not using him uh, a little bit more than they have done this year. I just you know if they put him at number ten in the Rumble again, it just seems like that's his only job really now is just to do that. Fuck it. You can Rumble <laughs> predictions. Yeah. Well, who was yours underrated last year? Mine wasn't just one, it was two. It was Luke Harper, because, as previously mentioned, brilliant performer in the ring, you know, standout member of the Wyatt family. And uh, Mark Andrews as well, Mandrews. I don't think, you know, he'd been quite given a chance in NXT because, you know, that was pre-NXT UK. Um, Absolutely impressed us in the UK title tournament. And, yeah, you know, I just thought he was absolutely brilliant in the ring. Yeah. We've only got a couple of categories left of 2017. So, there is do one to watch. So, one to watch for 2018. Dan, who was yours? Mine was my man, Ali B. Alistair Black. I mean, 
you know, he had first come into it and he was looking very impressive, you know, his, from his entrance to his... And that beautiful black mass kick. Yeah. I mean, he was my one to watch as well because um, he was my one to watch. He was just so gosh darn entertaining, you know. And uh, coming in 2018, we knew it was going to be big. Yeah, NXT champion, uh, the injury. But I kind of, I don't, can't remember the last time a wrestler got injured and he actually made a big payoff like it. Alistair Black seems to be a bigger star with the injury right off of him who attacked him and all this Johnny Gagano stuff delivered before. And I've no doubt in my mind, Eddie B's definitely got the potential to kind of uh, move up on the main roster and actually be used correctly. Do you know what I mean? And I still think that's a great choice for one to watch in 2018. Indeed, yes. Um, tag team or stable? Well, I think for me, 2017 was de- defined by kind of Usos and New Day, that kind of rival that they've been having. Of course, New Day were my pick uh, the very first year, 2015. I then went, of course, for Revival and now with the Usos. I mean, just three great tags, but the Usos kind of really deserved it. You know, they, they changed their gimmick completely, didn't they? They were kind of fan-friendly, fan colourful outfits and the makeup changed it completely to Deus uh, and everything like that. Seriously, just really, really delivering in ring as well, you know. So I've got to give credit for um, the Usos for my tag team of the year. And they're still performing great now, do you know what I mean? Indeed, yes. Unlike my tag team, Sam Brolins. I mean, I, I don't know if it was their actual matches themselves, but I just think it was the way that they got together. You know, yeah. teasing, fisting each other in the ring. Yes. And... Yeah, it's always good for team fist each other. You know, sometimes Scott Dawson might want to try flips, but, you know, it's just going to be hard fisting. Uh, the <laughs> arrival... But what about, um, what about your tag team of the year? <laughs> well, you know, they're, they're kind of teased getting back together again as uh, as a tag team unit. And, you know, it was Dean Ambrose offering the fist to Rollins, Rollins refusing it, and vice versa, you know, Rollins refusing the fist, uh, Rollins offering the yeah. fist to Ambrose, him refu- refusing it. And when they kind of like, you know, they just both fisted in the ring. Yeah, violent, was, violent. SummerSlam, wasn't it? It was, yes. And it was just like, you know, the hairs on the, my arms were standing up and it was just a very exciting moment. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. And they would have had the, you know, Shield came back together as well and it would have worked had it not been for the kind of injuries that they had, you know, with uh, Roman Reigns and, of course, you know, uh, Dean Ambrose being out as well. All right, so move of the year, I went for the Eclipse, Ember Moon. She had debuted and that move, it's, it's fantastic, isn't it? It's one of our favourite moves. Uh, Ember Moon is definitely someone out there. You know, she was one to watch the previous year for me. And then a move of the year is just a character that I can get behind. And I think it's really cool. Dan, what was your move of the year? It was my favourite moment of the year. And it was all of 205 Live on Enzo Amore. I mean, it couldn't have happened to a more deserving person. <clears throat> Uh, Enzo was being a complete and utter dick about it, uh, about everything, and the two five, the whole two five live roster had had enough, and he got to pull. Fin- well, no, first off, he had got planted by Braun Strowman with a running power slam, and he just, you know, ushered the rest of the two five live roster to just say, "Look, have at him," yeah, and yeah, they yeah. absolutely beat the shit out of him. <laughs> they he- did. Couldn't have happened to a more deserving person. You showed me that clip at least the 200 times. 
at least three to four hundred times. I was, honestly, so, so many times I saw that. But it was a great moment for him, you know, getting beaten down like that. How would we know that he wouldn't last long going into uh, 2018 as well? You had your wish, didn't you? Uh, but last award, of course, Wrestler of the Year, I think is more important than kind of match or um, pay-per-view of the year. It's not more important than Woman of the Year, though, James. It is equally as important as Woman of the Year. And that's why this year our main award will be the Woman of the year as opposed to the man of the year and that's how forward thinking we are the dubbing our podcast but then again we don't you know we don't clarify people as having genders no you know it is it is not a gender specific award yeah but you do have to have a vagina and tits yeah, to win well, the woman of the year the thing is though right so I went uh, Sasha Banks 2015-2016 Oscar 2017-2017 I went Seth Rollins 2015, and then 2016, I went AJ Styles. 2017, my rest of the year was AJ Styles as well. So that's kind of weird that I've gone for two wrestlers kind of same. If you compare the two, you compare Oscar to Seth Rollins and AJ Styles to Sasha Banks. For me, I can't really differentiate between the four. You know, there's still great talents in the ring. I class these four uh, as fantastic, you know, which they are. You know, there's no real difference. But AJ Styles for me, 2017. If 2016 was a good year for him, 2017 was a year even better. Because, you know, winning the WWE Championship the way he did and having the, the, the rain, uh, beating Jinder Mahal, and then having the rain building into 2018, and having a great match against Brock Lesnar at Survivor Series. Styles rarely put a foot wrong. Dan, who was your male wrestler of the year? Again, I couldn't disagree with you on that one. I also went for AJ Styles for the second year in a row. Excuse the pun, but he was phenomenal. Yeah. I think without a shadow of a doubt, uh, AJ Styles definitely deserved to be Wrestler of the Year in 2017. Right. So it's Christmas time. Like, so you're all getting the Christmas spirit. And Santa Claus... Well, Dan, have you been a good boy this year? I've been a really bad boy. You've been a bad boy. Well, unfortunately, it looks like Santa doesn't care because he hasn't got coal in your full sack. Thank Dan. fuck I haven't got anything to do with that cunt. Yeah, so you haven't, you haven't done anything. But it is a very Christmassy, maybe. We might touch on that later. But it is time for President has delivered to us here at the Christmas Cottage. Um, and Mark Tardis, why did you get mad to Sarah Logan? Honestly, our Twitter's going to go crazy about this, but I don't know why you did. We've, we've seen the news today. Please let us know. Tweet at Mark Tardis. It's his doppelganger. But we have got presents now. I'm going to try blue ones, and you try red ones. There's no name tags on them, so we have no idea. See if it happens. Jesus Christ. Red. Right, so we've got, f- we've got a few presents, haven't we, from Father Christmas? We wow. have been awfully good boys. Yeah. Right, hang on a minute. So I, let's open this up first, because this is just to the WNR team. So, Is it a medal? Is it an award? I don't know. It could be a, could be a podcast award. Or whoever... Tape these up, did a good job. It's Saint a pack Nick. of condoms. What are they trying to insinuate? <laughs> well, let's see if we can get into it. This segment might be a little bit longer than I hoped for. Full, filled with rustling. <laughs> if you thought Ice Cubes was a game changer. Yeah, we've had this and what the fuck is this? WWE, you've sent us saying. Oh, it's a Bobby Roode. <laughs> it is a Bobby Roode Christmas tree decoration. Oh, but well, I tell you something. We have got the Christmas tree here in the corner. Sh- should we both pull it on the Christmas tree? We'll take a picture of it so everybody knows what we're doing on Twitter. Here we go. Well, that is glorious, Dan. Isn't it? Having it on the Christmas tree there. Well, the WNR tree was naked without it. 
And now he seems to be staring over at us, like saying, please help me. All right, so Dan, do you want to open up one of the presents? We'll see if, what we've got. It is the right way. All right, and what is it, Dan? I have got, oh, it's not inflatable, but it is an Alexa Bliss cuddle buddy. Is it a cuddle buddy? I don't know. Oh, I've got one. Hang on. Let me... An Alexa Bliss toy. Hang on a minute. Oh, wow. You must be happy about that. You must have been a good boy for Santa Claus to get you that. Dan, stop sniffing it's it. Stop scratch and sniff. What have I got? Oh! Should <laughs> we have a fight? <laughs> We've got Oscar on. He's ready for Oscar. I'll take this out of the, uh, the bag quickly. Wow, my God. Oscar looks great here. Like, a little tall. Not that big. I mean, she's probably about, well, at least 12 inches. At least 14 to 16 yeah, inches. Yeah, and then Oscar and Bliss going at it now. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Scissor, 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 We can't show you what they're doing, but we'll take pictures of these and uh, show you as well. Don't worry about that. I'll open up my bag for you, Dan. Hold it open for yeah. me so I can enter it. Right, what else has Santa Claus got us? Present number two. Two. It is a TJ Perkins t-shirt, a TJP. Wow. So one of your guys, yeah. yeah. You, you were a fan of him a couple of He's months ago. He's got bad habits at the moment. <laughs> but still, a very rare t-shirt, I think you find, that um, Johnny L. said it's got. Oh, wow. I've got a classy Freddy Blassie Legends t-shirt. Classy Freddy wow. Blassie. Wow, talk about old school. So, Freddy Blassie and TJP there. So, I've got Oscar and Freddy Blassie. I wonder what my last one is. You open up the last one now. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. That's, that's cool. <laughs> Not as cool as mine. Well, I've got a wanted Cactus Jack oh, that's t-shirt. Oh, that's <laughs> Which I've always wanted, but Dan, what have you I got? I have got a Bruiserweight t-shirt, Pete Dunne, to the bitter end. To the bitter end. So I know you're a huge fan of Pete Dunne. Now you can wear the British superstar in style, Dan. What do you think of that? Well, gosh almighty. Well, I must have been a very good boy this year for Father Christmas to empty his sack <laughs> in such splendour. Yeah, and it's, it's great. Thank you, St. Nick, and for uh, WWE for sending us the uh, Bobby Roode thing. But Oscar, yeah, I'm I'm very pleased that Oscar, Cactus Jack, and Freddie Blassie. I mean, that is a good hole, I would say. The things that my Randy Orton cuddle buddy and my Alexa Bliss Teddy are going to do together. It's gonna uh, be. I mean, I'm sure, I, I mean, I'm not having a go at Santa Claus, but I wouldn't mind it to be. I wouldn't mind if it was life sized You know what I mean? And you know, maybe had a a hole somewhere to to keep my things. Uh, but no, honestly, uh, thank you, Santa Claus. Uh, that was very nice, and that is our Christmas presents. Don't forget, you can listen to our podcast and open up your presents at the same time and see what you got, and um, see what you want for Christmas. I got what I wanted, and Dan, did you get what you wanted for Christmas? I did indeed, yes. I got an Alexa Bliss tie and some very, very nice t-shirts as well. <laughs> to add to your growing wrestling t-shirt collection? Add, yes, I have a vast wrestling t-shirt collection, and it is going to ever be growing i think yours is bigger than mine though mine is bigger but dan it's not about the size it's what you do with it uh so i've got my christmas jumper on here today dan you're not very christmasy at the moment are you it's red and white i mean they are that, that is the father that is the color of father christmas or mr christmas or person christmas if it's gender neutral yeah i mean you could have a ricochet versus pete dunn match i mean i can, I can indeed yes. and what a shit up match 
that would be. But no, that is the presents for today. So I think there's only one thing left. We've done a bit of news. We've done new content on the network. We're doing a song. Can I sing a song, Dan? If you do it now, James, I'll break every bone in your body, including mine. Uh, okay, well, okay. We'll move on then. And I think it's time. Drum roll, please. Fully Dublin Awards 2018, the fourth annual Dublin Awards. So hi, welcome everybody to the fourth annual WNR Awards, here live at the WNR Christmas College in an undisclosed location for the fourth year in a row. Please welcome your host, James Rowlands and Dan White. Hello, everybody. Well, hello, and it's great to be here, the fourth annual awards, and, and what a year we've had. James, Dan. you do realise, us standing at these plinths, <laughs> they can't even see us, so why did you buy these expensive plinths? I mean, these look like the ones that they use at the Oscars. They, do you know, I had to loan them from the Oscars. It did cost me an arm and leg, but I, I think it's cool. The wrestling Oscar or the Oscar no, Oscar? No, so the Oscar, yeah. Uh, to be fair, Oscar would win an Oscar if she could. But no, we're here. We've got the setting here. Yes, we maybe should have had an audience, but there you go. We'll move on maybe in years to come. There's not a, room, there's not a lot of room here in the cottage. But yes, the Dublin Awards. The most prestigious awards maybe in the entire of professional wrestling. Everybody refers to the WNR Wars when thinking about uh, certain things throughout the years, you know. Who was James's one to watch in 2015? People hear, I hear ask ma- mainly most days as well. We've ran through the WNR Wars here on the podcast, but of course we are getting ready for the 2018 ones. And Dan, you have fought long and hard about these awards, haven't you? Has it been difficult to pick this year? It has been very difficult, yes. I feel with me this year, 2018, some of the awards were very easy to hand out and some of them uh, were maybe a little bit difficult. But what we'll do, we'll run through the awards that we're going to hope uh, we're going to give away, of course. And then we'll just, you know, we'll in description why we've picked them, not just because there are picks for uh, with match of the year uh, and other things like that as well. We might have uh, different nominations maybe for the actual awards start the fourth annual dominar awards dan what category would you want to start with um let's start with underrated underrated so one of the dominar old school awards uh, we've got a couple of new awards that are gonna um, pop up and we'll tell you all about them but we are starting off with underrated for 2018 so dan why don't you get us started Cunderson, uh, you know, I've I've had a look back and seen some of his uh, Bullet Club stuff, you know, and I thought he was absolutely brilliant in the Bullet Club, and you know, there was a lot of hype about the club joining WWE, and you know, I, I just think Carl Anderson as he's a brilliant in-ring performer, and he's underutilized and definitely underrated. Yeah, and it must be good for you to see them on SmackDown recently. Finally, back with his single runs for him, or just the kind of tag team at the moment? The tag team in general, you know, you've got kind of the big guy and you've got the smaller guy, but, you know, as talented as he is, Carl Anderson is, you know, he's one of these ones that can get a hot tag in, just clean house and just be an absolute badass. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. That's a good pick for underrated. I have gone for Kalisto in 2018. Uh, Kalisto slash most of the 205 Live division we had a really great discussion about this about the state of 205 Live maybe 
kind of being chronically underrated. I think Kalisto maybe is a guy doesn't get enough credit. Maybe in part for someone like Rey Mysterio being back now. I think there's a lot of stuff Kalisto can do in the ring. A lot of a lot of other guys can't do, and I think fans can get behind him as well. I think he's a, he's a great wrestler, and in that Mustafa Ali role that's been taken on SmackDown. Kalisto maybe could have played it as well. Do you know what I mean? And, and I think Kalisto definitely deserves a chance. Former United States champion, former NXT tag team champion. Kalisto could do it all. And I think he's been misused a little bit. I like Lucha House Party, but I think Kalisto can go on to bigger and better things. So he's my underrated of 2018. So we'll move on next and we'll go one to watch for 2019. All right. So my one to watch for 2018 is none other than... Lars Sullivan. Again, a pretty obvious choice if you think about it. He is being built up on the, you know, the vignettes that we've seen. He's coming to Raw and SmackDown. He's going to be a big deal. Vince McMahon loves guys his side. If he can sort out, if he can, you know, have a good attitude outside the ring. Some stories have said it's not been great and his opinions need to keep to himself. Uh, and he does the right things. I think we've seen enough of Lars Sullivan in NXT to realise he, he's not a bad worker with the right opponent. And I think he's going to have a great 2019, whether I'd have picked him or not. Do you know what I mean? I think he's going to be, be undefeated the majority of 2019 and be in big time feuds as well for, for championships. Dan, who's your one to watch? Mine is the Velveteen Dream. He's had some brilliant matches, you know, not necessarily always on the winning end of those matches. But again, winning or losing, he's been absolutely brilliant. And, you know, when he eventually gets called up to the main roster... The things that he can do with his character are absolutely phenomenal. And I think, you know, he's just going to keep building steam and, you know, eventually turn into a huge star. Yeah, I think without a shadow of a doubt, Velveteen Dream is a great pick. Uh, is a guy, again, who just has looked great on NXT after kind of, you know, being dobbed out or, or not knowing. Ever since the Ali B kind of feud and Say My Name, He's been a different guy. And that match with Chompa to take over, weren't expecting anything really delivered. Like you say, he's kind of got that kind of... It's like gold dust, but like main event level gold dust in that way. I, f- I really feel with Velveteen Dream, much like Lars Sullivan, they can go all the way in WWE if used correctly. I think there's kind of mystique about the Dream as well. He's still only like 23 years old, which is incredibly you know young and so much more experience to gain as well. Uh, so that's Dream and Lars Sullivan. So next award, Dan. Let's go for move of the year. Oh, it's quite quite a big one. Move of the year. Who have you gone for? Mine. It's it's a kind of a double header, but they bunch together really well. And that is the tarantula powerbomb slash superplex at War Games, followed by the ricochet double moonsault. I mean, yeah. I know the ricochet double moonsault. It didn't completely hit its mark, Tardis. But, you know, it was a very, very impressive move nonetheless. And again, it's, you know, kind of pushing the bounds of what people can do in ring. No doubt. And it's been a pleasure to watch Ricochet this year take uh, at NXT. Being treated so well uh, and having these kind of big match moments uh, as well, you know, like I say. My move of the year is not a grand move like, like yours is. It's not kind of set up. It's just a move that every time I see it, I absolutely love it. Now, I wonder if you can guess what my move of the year is. What move do I always pop for? King Shasha. No, no. Once I tell you, you'll know. The Tyler Bate um, 
springboard off the top uh, off the top right bang into a clothesline i yeah. i fucking love yeah, that yeah. move uh, it's like a, i don't know if it's a video game type move i don't know how he does it uh, i've not seen it before done in that way i always go crazy and it's not even a kind of signature move it's kind of like if you meant to the, to the comeback that's got to be my move my move of the year uh like again reverse hurricane is a great move but you know we've seen it in the past with bait when he delivers it, you kind of know, oh my god, what a move that is. So I've got to say bait with the um, clothesline off the rope. I'm sure it's got an official move, but I just can't find it yet. Alright, so a couple of new awards. We move on to manager of the year. We've added manager. We've added a couple of others, actually, which are, well, one of them probably start an argument soon. Uh, but we'll, we'll get on to that in a minute. So manager of the year, and it's my pick, and Dan's going to hate me for it. My manager of the year is Leo Rush. Leo Rush is my manager of the year. Let me explain. So I know he's a wrestler. I know he works on 205 Live. I know he's an athlete in his own right. He's annoying as fuck. And he kind of, the only thing saving Nashville at the moment is Leo Rush. Kind of been so annoying, so smarmy uh, and everything like that. It's kind of made Lashley's character a little bit more entertaining. And at least he's listening to Leo Rush as well. Rush is doing the correct thing as a manager. He, he, Lashley is listening to what Rush is saying. Rush is the one giving out instructions. Lashley is the one uh, following through, which is the way it should work as well. So that's why I picked Leo Rush. Dan, who's your manager of the year? It's the Singh brothers. Ooh. Just simply for the amount of beatings them poor bastards take week in, week out. I mean, you know, they've been hit with so many different finishers. It's unbelievable. And, you know, that they haven't had a match since the two uh, the Cruiserweight Classic. Yeah, yeah it's been that long. But, it? you know, they've been injured. You know, uh, they've been turned inside out by Randy Orton. I know that wasn't last. You know, it's F5. Yeah, they've yeah, been yeah. suplexed. I mean, that, in that's half. that German suplex across the ring, laying down on the neck, didn't they? Like, say, like, yeah. that was sickening. No, I like the Singh brothers. They should, they do deserve a lot more. But they're the manager of the year. So what's the next award, Dan? Well, again, we go on to one of our new ones, and that is Announcer. Oh. All right, who's your announcer of the year? Well, mine, it's two. One of them, and it is a guy that I know very well. My friend, Nigel McGuinness. <laughs> because, you know, his his unique take on things, I, I, you know, I think he's very good, and plus I, I could do a very good impersonation of him. Mm-hmm. And also Renee Young. She's came into that position and she's stepped up well. She's, <clears throat> you know, you kind of heard the uh, the back and forth between her and um, Corey Graves, Corey Graves yeah. over the Dean Ambrose situation. 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 She's grown. She's grown into that industry. You know, she has indeed. I mean, you know, we was we was blessed with Stephanie McMahon <laughs> announcing for the women's Royal Rumble match. You know, you're like, oh, well, how can we top that? Well, they put Renee yeah. Young into that position and she's become a permanent fixture. Well-deserved yeah. as well. Yeah, and you took the one of mine were Renee Young as well for the exact same reason. So Renee Young's definitely one of the announcers of the year. My other one is Mauro Ronaldo. Uh, not, <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. Not to cause an argument, but his excitement and level 
to bring arguments for it, there's not been announced on that in quite a while. He brings the kind of JR raw emotion to an NXT event, which adds to it. And everything he does, he does with a passion. Whereas you don't like him or you do, he's passionate about it and he likes wrestling. And he's a great announcer. I know we've, I've listened to Vanilla the last couple of years and I think he deserves to be announcer of the year, especially for his work on NXT this year. Dan, do you agree with that? No. No, you don't. You don't, right? What is the announcer? Uh, uh, up next, then, another new award, and we'll do Referee of the Year. Go on, James. <laughs> no, I was about to say, my Referee of the Year is Jessica Carr. Of course it is. Jessica Carr has been great. Young Classic uh, did a great job and is now part of NXT. And, you know, the great thing you can say about referees is that no one notices her. And no one notices them. And... You can hardly, you know, you only realise when you look around, oh, fucking hell, Jess Carr's doing this one. She did nothing wrong, you know, uh, everything right. A great referee who deserves maybe a chance on the main roster in a, in a couple of years' time, you know, because she she's that good as well. Dan, who's your ref? Yes, you know, I also agree with you on Jessica Carver. I've had to go for a personal favourite of mine. None other than mini Ric Flair himself, Charles Robinson. And after seeing uh, a little documentary of him on the internet about him not only being a referee, but he's in charge of setting up everything in the ring area, from the ring to the Titantron to, you know, all the barricades and everything like that. And, you know, for a man who has been about for at least 20 years. At least 25. You know, he's he's a brilliant constant figure, and he doesn't look like he's ageing. Yeah, that's true. He looks as young as he does. We've seen him 20 years ago. Looks exactly the same. He really does. Uh, and, and a fair play to Charles Robinson getting that award. But for me, Jess Carr. All right, move on to another new award. I think most hated. Because right? we were talking about who is the most hated in, uh, well, either in the wrestling world or who do we hate. Now, I've only really got one to pick. And I'm going to pick him, even though I am starting to feel a little bit sorry for him, to be fair. Because I've not seen him in a while, and it's a damn shame, you know. I've even been checking main event out, and he's not been making that, which is it's a shame. So I've gone for Mojo, soon to be released, Rawley, as my most hated wrestler. Uh, my most hated, as for the internet, I don't care, you hate everybody, don't you? So, Dan, who have you gone for? Well, mine is split between two cunts, and that is Adam Cole. And Mike Kanellis. There are a, f- a lot of honourable mentions. Shayna Baszler, Matt Riddle, um, <laughs> yeah, James Rowlands, Leo Rush. But, you know, I-, I think these two guys, for starters, I don't get what everyone sees in them. You know, it's obviously nothing whatsoever impressive that either of these guys have ever done in the ring. I disagree with you with Adam Cole. I think you you, you know Adam Cole's delivered good in the ring. You even admitted to that when we talked about war games with him starting off and, and impressing you as well and the stuff with Ricochet. Adam Cole is a good worker. You just set your stall out early and you can't change it now. As for Mike Kinellis, I've not really seen much that impressed me through. Matt Riddle's another guy that I'll probably start liking in 2019. Um, apart from, you know, old rest of someone like Mongo or Conan for me, it's got to be Mojo, but I think they're last of the dying breeds. You know, we've got rid of Enzo Big Cass this year. I think Mojo's next, you know. There's not a lot of guys left. It's, it's soon W roster should just be great wrestlers as opposed to guys taking up spots, you know. But who's the next award, Dan? What's the next award? We go on to 
RKO of the year. My one of my favourite awards. Uh, who you gone for then? Well, have... I've obviously Randy Orton, but against whom? On Bobby Roode at Fastlane to win the United States Championship. And again, you know, because previously I've been going for ones that have truly been coming out of nowhere, but deep down I knew this one was going to happen. And Randy Orton hit Bobby Roode with the RKO to pin James's man and win the US Championship and give it a decent home for a brief period of time until uh, Jinder Mahal beat him for it. Yeah, exactly. The following fucking month and no one cared about it. Randy Orton ruined the US title. But not only that, James, it was the it was the final duel in Randy Orton's gauntlet of Infinity Stones. I mean, that completed everything. He completed with that. Well, my RKO of the year is actually one that's not got a more kind of meaning to it. It's just really cool. Uh, 24th of November, 2018. And it's Rey Mysterio. Mysterio came back and he'd been using the baseball slide outside the ring to use it on different opponents. And I noticed he'd been using it every single match. And I, noticed, I said to Dan, I said, I'm getting a bit bored of this. See what happens. It won too many times on Randy Orton. And as he comes sliding out, boom, Randy Orton hit it perfectly. And I don't usually pop for RKOs, but I thought that was a great one. And that's why it's my RKO of the year. Okay, so another new award, Internet Darling. Now, this is the one where who we think the fans love more, no matter what happens or what they do, the, someone the fans will always be behind. Uh, my one might be, I don't know, people might have, have a go at me for this, but Finn Balor is my pick for Internet Darling. It just seems that Finn Balor is the fans' favourite. Oh, he should get another Universal title shot. Oh, he should get this. He should get that. Oh, he's not being booked right. Oh, it's just not right. And yet, I, is, are they the one buying his merchandise? Are they the one making him the biggest seller merchandise-wise at WWE? No, they're not doing that. Is he putting more asses in seats? Probably not doing that. You know, is he getting the use right? Probably not. But again, will, will he be the guy to, to run WWE in the future? And I think that the internet are firmly behind Finn Balor. There's a few of them that they really, really like. But I think Balor's the one that they kind of, he's got an massive internet following as well. Dan, who have you gone for? I've gone for Seth Rollins. Again, you know, he's got a huge fan base. Everyone loves him. Everyone wants to see him kind of becoming WWE champion or universal champion. And, you know, he, he is a very good performer and there is a lot of reason why people are behind him. Yeah. I think without a shadow of a doubt, you know, uh, I can understand why you have gone uh, Seth Rollins there as well. Holy shit. One good alright so we've got holy shit moments we've got a good one and a bad one we're going to start off with good Dan what you're good what's good what's good and it's not only what happened but it's the reaction from what happened as well and that is Titus world slide at the greatest royal rumble and not only that but Corey Graves absolutely losing his shit and he couldn't even call anything for the next five minutes after that and memes that followed it as well it's it was probably the funniest thing i've seen for a long long time you know it's kind of like a shock master of today without a doubt without a doubt 
it was one of those moments in time you couldn't believe you're actually watching it. You're like, that is a meme there forever. And like I said, it was like, holy shit. It was like, holy shit, where the fuck did he go? Yeah, it's like, what the fuck? Uh, anybody hasn't seen it, I, I'm sure everybody has seen it more than once. It's, it's fucking brilliant. My one was a bit more personal because mine was good, was Oscar finally winning the women's title at TLC. For me... That moment, holy shit, they fucking finally did it after thinking they're going to waste it with Oscar. I don't care the circumstances. I don't care if Ronda Rousey cost um, Charlotte and Becky Lynch. I care about Oscar winning that title and finally having that moment on top. And if they do it right, they can, you know, really have a great champion there. That's why it's my great holy shit. I couldn't believe they finally went with Oscar. Fair play to Oscar for winning the women's title. That's my holy shit good. My holy shit bad, on the other hand... Let me take a breath. Right. It can only be one massive steaming pile of shit on the floor that is this year. They come very close in April, but they finally achieved it in November. My holy shit bad is the entire dual event. What a fucking clusterfuck of shitness and twats. It was the worst event ever. If we were doing the worst paper of the year, it would have been mine with a four. I think you gave it a five out of ten as well. Nothing good came from it. Nothing, nothing, nothing. I three hours of my life I will never get back, and I hate WWE for it. Dan, what about you? It was Roman Reigns. Um, you know, the announcement of him coming out, you know, as Joe, and, you know, just the shock of what he'd come out with saying as well, you know. It was... It was probably a moment that no one wants to hear. You know, if you love him or you hate him, everyone was kind of united in, you know, oh my fucking God, that you wouldn't even wish it on a wrestler that you can't stand. Yeah, you wouldn't even, not even on Adam Cole or no. Mike Kanellis, you know, and, and it's it's an awful thing. And yeah, like I said, holy shit, it's just unimaginable. Uh, what Roman Reigns has gone through, what he is going to go through as well. And like you said, Dan, it's a, it's a really good choice, really thoughtful, especially this time of year, to be close to your family and just love them because you never know what could happen. And this is the crazy thing about Christmas, that we all get together and, and celebrate it as, as a family. And those that can't, you know, make sure you try and find someone. If there's no one like that, make sure you're not alone around Christmas either. Um yeah, shit, that turned it around a little bit, didn't we? Uh, let's cheer it up. Tweet the year then, Dan. Shall we go tweet the year? Or is it your choice? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, James... I'm, I'm going to start go... crying in a minute. So... I'm going to go for tweet of the year. And it's not a specific tweet. It is pretty much anything by Becky Lynch. She has absolutely owned everyone on Twitter, from Corey Graves to, to Ronda Rousey. I mean, anyone that just comes up against her on Twitter... You might as well just get a spade out and start digging. Without a shadow of a doubt, Becky Lynch is the best. Uh, My tweet was from Becky Lynch, because like I said, it could have picked out anything. The one I picked out was um, Becky Lynch, November 14th. Uh, she She tweeted, you gave me your best sucker punch, but I destroy your whole roster. They won't let me fight, but I'll get back up from that too. It's what I do. So enjoy your one free shot, because as bad as my memory is now, I haven't forgotten you, bitch. I mean, at brief excitement on a tweet, Becky Lynch so fucking over. Uh, just fantastic on social media. Like you said, Dan, it's having 
with, it's added a layer to a character, hasn't it? Where so that's what social media has actually been able to achieve this year, you know? It has indeed, yes. So I'm I'm saying Lynch as well for the of the year. I think it's been brilliant. Uh, all right, a bit of controversial one then. Overrated. Go on, then, James. I'm gonna piss off the entire internet now because my overrated is Finn Balor. <laughs> Mark Tardis, I had no idea he was going to say this. <laughs> this is James, and James is only his thoughts. <laughs> and I'll, I'll leave him to deal with the consequences. But this has nothing to do with me, Mark. Finn, Finn Balor is overrated. What was the last great Finn Balor match? James, you fight your battles, mate. No, I'm, no, I'm, I'm, I'm asking. I'm... Would you remember the last great Finn Balor match that he had? Maybe a multi-man match, maybe, with, you know, rules involved. And before that, probably another multi-man match. And probably that, you know, apart from his match versus AJ Styles last year, what has Finn Balor really delivered on pay-per-view? Yes, he's been feuding with Baron Corbin these past 12 months. He should get something maybe entertaining about it. I don't get Finn Balor. I know he's going to get a kind of monster push or whatever it is now. But I just... The demon character I understand, but Finn Balor hasn't achieved his goals or he's not set out his goals. He's not come out and said he wants to be Universal Champion. He, he's almost like he's come out and said, I'm happy to be here. I'm going to have this smile on my face and, and just do what I want to do, as opposed to kind of fighting down and wanting to be the guy. I know he suffered the injury and I know he was Universal Champion and that was a setback, but you have to come to set because if Balor's not careful, he's going to end up like Dolph Ziggler, always on the peripheral, never getting the main event picture again. And does Balor really want to do that? He's a talent. We saw in NXT and on the independence in Prince Devitt who could go around the world having great matches we need to see kind of more hunger and more desire from Balor and stop kind of being a smiley kind of baby face and kind of being a bit more serious and, and I, I think with that that's why I think he's overrated I, there's nothing I see here that you know any other guy like Velveteen Dream I think Velveteen Dream is better than um, Finn Balor that's what I'm going to say I, I think there's a lot of guys like that Dan so bring it on anybody who wants to complain to me about that Bring it on. Dan, who's your overrated? Well, James, it is a toss-up <laughs> between four people. And that is Mike Kanellis. I think, you know, all this power of love shite and having fucking Maria in his corner and just shit wrestling. Shania Basler, which you've kind of started to come around on as well. And... Again, you know, she came in looking to be this fucking badass. Turned out it wasn't. She needs help to win matches. I mean, if that kind of kicks UFC right in the cunt, I don't know what does. Brock Lesnar, for obvious reasons, I don't need to say anymore. And Matt Riddle as well. I mean, some stupid little stoner fuck coming in, kicking his stupid fucking flip-flops off in the fucking ring. Coming, yo, bro, I made my day, but, man, I, I, I kind of get off on fucking saying things wrong. And fucking bro, 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 fucking bro. And yes, James, you may notice that I've left a few names off yeah. of that list of people that I hate, but... So who's the most overrated, Dan? You've got to pick one. Pick one. I'm going to go with Shayna Baszler. Oh, so Baszler is the most overrated, the NXT Women's Champion. So who's the next award then, Dan? The next award is a favourite, and it is the Johnny Gagano Award for most punishment taken in a match. So who have you gone for for 2018? I have gone for, besides AJ Styles' nuts, 
Johnny Gagano and Tommaso Ciampa. Right, okay. Because they've beaten the shit out of, you know, from their unsanctioned match that they had to, you know, every other match that they've been involved in and especially having Alistair Black thrown into that mix as well. I mean, you know, they've they've just taken a lot of punishment throughout the year. But again, you know, that unsanctioned match with the fucking DDTs yeah. on the exposed yeah, floor yeah, yeah. and just everything. So, you know, the pair of them, they just rip the most shit out of each other. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. That is the most matches that I've seen. But I think the most vicious match this year uh, was at War Games. And my Johnny Gagano War for the most punishment we've taken in the match goes to Hansen. Now, Hansen suffered broken ribs, a ruptured spleen, and torn ligaments in the War Games match. So, therefore, he wins the Johnny Gagano War for most punishment we've taken in the match. He's three different injuries. So, next year, will it be the Hansen Award? <laughs> No, it'll be the Hanson Appreciation Award for most... No, it will still be the Johnny Garno Award for most punishment taken in the match, but Hanson does win 2018. So well done, Hanson. And Johnny Gagano has won the award with Tomasa Chumper for you as well. Let's do entrance. Entrance of the year, Dan. I have gone for... My entrance of the year is when I was most excited. Now, as you can tell from the past W and Christmas presents and now, I'm a huge fan of Oscar, without shallow of a doubt. And the, the, I, what I thought would be a crowning achievement would be WrestleMania when she faced Charlotte. And her coming out uh, in her entrance there, where you saw the big Oscar mask and the crowd support for her. It was a big fight field. The street was on the line. I thought it was Oscar's chance to get the job done. It was disappointing. But that entrance for me coming out, the way she did it, the goosebumps I had was probably, no, is my favourite entrance of the year. So Oscar at WrestleMania. Well, James... Mine also took place at WrestleMania, but mine was Shinzuki fucking Nakamura. And, you know, he had won my entrance award previously for the violins, but this one was also accompanied by Nita Strauss, and he had pretty much a live band. He had drums and everything, and Strauss absolutely killed it. She shredded it on that axe. You know, she was absolutely brilliant, and just completely smashed his entrance and made it absolutely brilliant. Yeah, without a doubt. And we watched that, didn't we, the other day. And and I think this is what's letting WrestleMania down. And I think that's why I enjoyed SummerSlam more than WrestleMania this year. It's because we had the Royal Rumble winners, you know, like Oscar and Nakamura, both of ours. We had the entrance coming out. They should have both won their title matches to make a moment. We're only talking about their entrances. Maybe it could have been matches of the year if they... Excuse me, got the job done. Too much eggnog for me there. Uh, so, good entrance of the year. This one is comeback of the year. So, who's your comeback of the year, Dan? Is it Kane? <laughs> <laughs> no, it is the big show during the bars. No. <laughs> Say, my you, look. You, the look on your face. <laughs> no, mine. There's only one person that came back this year. And that is Daniel fucking Bryan. I mean, to come back from a potential career-ending injury and, you know, come back and just have match after match after match. And, you know, even then, you know, to have a heel turn right after that, you know, to come back to such a raw innovation... To have all the fans booing at you at the end of the year. I mean, it is just an absolute perfect comeback. 
Yeah, I'm being on as well, but it's Daniel Bryan turning heel. Like, when he did come back, I think WWE office, you know, people backstage weren't really sure if he was 100% or not. The kind of babe-faced Bryan wasn't, the yes movement wasn't as strong as it was in yesteryear, was it? Uh, but like you said, the hill turn, the change of character. This is Daniel Bryan back to his best now. Delivering in ring. What a great match he had against AJ Styles. What a fantastic match against Brock Lesnar at Survivor Series as well. That kind of glint in his eyes, the way the character works. Call himself the, uh, new, the, the new Daniel Bryan as well. I think the comeback is especially on. Who would have predicted at the start of the year that Daniel Bryan was going to be WWE Champion by year end? You know, it's quite uh, uh, an achievement in itself, so Daniel Bryan does get comeback. All right, so we're going to have a, a new award again, and this time it's it's a great one that we had. We never had it really on the, on the WNR before, but we are. It is going to be the Lifetime Achievement Award. Someone in WNR that we've watched, maybe someone we didn't know a lot about, someone maybe we did and doesn't get enough credit. So my Lifetime Achievement Award this year goes to. Alex Wright. Alex Wright wins lifetime achievement. I mean, is it just Alex Wright or a specific part? Of well, Alex let me go on to that. Alex Wright kind of uh, sprang into my life a couple of years ago. Uh, we, we, I know anybody doesn't know the story about Alex Wright. He debuted in WCW as the Wonder Kid in 1994. Was going to look to be the, the next kind of big star of that division, but due to Hulk Hogan and friends coming, he kind of fell down the card and was used predominantly as a cruiserweight and then kind of a job. And we're seeing him now in 1998. He's feuding with the European wrestlers, but he's not really been used that well, is he? You know. But there is one, like you said, Dan, standout part to an Alex Wright match, and this part is deserves a lifetime achievement award. I mean, it's we all know what it is. It's the it's the elephant in the room. It's an elephant down his trunks, basically. Anybody watches an Alex Wright match will notice one thing, and that is his. Well, I'm going to say his gigantic penis, Alex Wright penis. I mean, the guy wrestles well, but I mean, his penis wrestles better than him. You know, what I mean, it's 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 like having a tag team partner. You know, he is the early day equivalent. No, yeah, but even that, like. Joe Ryan uses his, but I mean, Alex Wright's is a deadly weapon, you know. And I think he's a great worker. And I think the personality, the dancing back in the day to get so, people get so annoyed with you, I think is, is very clever. He knew what he was doing. He looked like a gay German porn star. And that's what the fans, you know, could have got behind. And I, I think we, we could have seen a lot more about that as well with uh, Alex Wright. I think fantastic. Uh, Guy, he's still working at W Performance Center now, isn't he? Training the young guys. Of course, can't do a hammerlock anymore just because he gets in trouble for sexual offences. But there's a lot of other stuff he can do. So Alex Fight is my Lifetime Achievement Award for 2018. Dan? Mine goes to a man with a voice so beautiful it could put me to sleep. And that is Mean Gene Oakland. Um, he is a WWE legends hall of famer and just an all-round good guy um he is probably my favorite announcer slash interviewer the moments that he's had and you know i I just i wish he was my granddad 
Yeah, I mean, Mean Gene is a legend, and it's a bit sad what's happening, but like, age makes mortals of us all. Uh, but Mean Gene's work throughout the years will be remembered, and, and quite rightly deserves Dan's Life Award this year. And, of course, Alex Frights and his penis, along with Mean Gene Oakland, will be going into the WNR Hall of Fame. So there we go. Welcome to these two. The first two, yeah. or the three. The first three, days. yeah. First three in the Hall of Fame. Alex Wright, his penis, and of course me, Gene Oakland, into the WNR Hall of Fame for 2018. So now we're getting quite big ones left. Uh, let's get through a couple. So we've got... Well, we've, uh, we move on to better off last year. And who have you gone for? Who is in, who would? Who was better off last year than they are now, Dan? Banks and Bailey, they've, you know, they had had some very good matches, groundbreaking matches last year, and this year they've kind of nearly had a feud, but didn't quite, and now they're best friends, and, you know, they just kind of seem to be pushed into the back shadow, um, you know, behind Charlotte, uh, Becky, Oscar... Even Alexa Bliss and Nia Jax have kind of had yeah. more standout yeah, moments, yeah, yeah. you know, and underutilized, underappreciated, and you know, of James's Wrestler of the Year, the one-time winner of my Wrestler of the Year, and you know, they've just kind of fallen flat and silent. Yeah, I think without shadow of a doubt, leads to two grossly underused talents on Monday Night Raw. Create a ta- women's tag team division for them, for fuck's sake. Give them something to do, you know, as opposed to just give them anything. Uh, it is a real shame what's happening there. Uh, mine is a tag team, and hopefully this turns around in 2019. Maybe there are all these signs of it. But I think it's just completely useless for this tag team. The Revival. What the fuck did they accomplish in 2018? Absolutely nothing. There was no point of the year. Jobbing out to the B team and, and other tag teams like that. You kept them down in NXT for another year and have great matches against, you know, the Undisputed Era or Lurk, Lorcan and Birch or, you know, Mustache Mountain and people like that. Um, I, I, I feel they're really missing a trick with the revival on Raw. If they've been on SmackDown now, imagine the wars they could have with the Usos and the New Day and the Barbian. They need to sort it out. The revival need to be kind of in position on Raw. They've had great matches with Authors of Pain before. They're on Raw. Make it work out. The Revival need a much better 2019. I think they were much better off last year before this, the, you know, the move up even happened. Well, the weather outside is frightful, but inside it's so... James, shut the fuck <sighs> up. Sake. I will sing a song by the end. All right, let's continue dubbing our awards and most improved... My pick is the only one I think can be this year. It's Ronda Rousey. She is so of only 12 months' experience in professional wrestling. She has delivered great matches near enough every time. Against Nia Jax twice when people think she couldn't do it. Uh, she really delivered well. You know, quick match at SummerSlam against Bliss, but got the job done. And, you know, we've seen that uh, WrestleMania, which made a debut, you know, in a, a tag team match against Stephanie Triple H. She, she looked awesome in it. And if she can continue working in, you know, her ring is improving. She needs to work on a character outside the ring and her promos and stuff like that. But for someone with so little experience, I can only think of maybe Kurt Angle's had a better first year than Ronda Rousey. She's been working house shows. She's been, you know, on the television. So you can't say she's like Brock Lesnar. And she seems to really care and give it her all every time. Dan, who is your uh, most improved for 2018? This one has been quite a tough award for me. And 
I think, you know, there's a couple of awards it could go to and it's it's not kind of an improved such, but it's kind of a resurgence. And that is Becky Lynch turning into a complete and utter badass. I mean, you know, just all the memes she has, you know, turning into the man. And, you know, she has come into this role, but I think it goes to Daniel Bryan. So it's not Lynch. <laughs> no. It was very nearly Becky Lynch, but Daniel Bryan, I think, you know, his, just his comeback and, you know, just completely changing himself, turning him, to, him, him into like, you know, um, when CM Punk was a straight edge superstar, you know, kind of like the straight edge vegan. Yeah. Right and, down, yeah. you know, he's, it's just given him a lot, lot more to do. And I think, you know, that is absolutely brilliant yeah. for Daniel Bryan. I doubt Daniel Bryan's kind of been uh, one of the, the happiest stories that we've had this year. So it's the award. Tag team. Tag team. Ooh, all right. So who is your tag team of 2018? Well, there is two and one. And that is Lorcan and Birch. Absolutely love these guys. They are two brilliant performers um and you know again they kind of went from fighting against each other to joining forces and just becoming an absolute badass of a team uh they i think they deserve a lot more but you know i think they're just kind of finding their feet and the fans absolutely love them and i absolutely love them and i'm sure you absolutely love them as well james without a shadow of a doubt you know you talk about what tag teams we we love this year and Lorcan and Birch are stand out i mean you've got a shout out to mustache mountain a fucking brilliant start of the year what a match they had against undisputed Era to win the nxt tag team titles hopefully there'll be a lot of fun nxt uk you know when they're around there we've got build up tag team division on there uh, Undisputed Era as well have been great this year. <laughs> Roderick Strong and Kyle O'Reilly have made a really great tag team, the two of them. Uh, when, they're, when they're in action, they can do stuff really, really well. Uh, but yeah, Lorcan and Birch, I think two teams. I'd also like a shout-out for Heavy Machinery as well. Heavy Machinery, yeah, I mean, they get called up to the main roster as well. I mean, that was a bit of news, wasn't it, that we had about mm. the, the six guys. We had uh, Heavy Machinery coming up. Lars Sullivan, we knew. Nicky Cross, um... And there was Lacey Evans and EC3. So they're coming up to the main roster. So, I mean, EC3 will do well anyway. But, uh, like I said, we've got to look out for them. And I think Lorcan and Birch, you know, tag team maybe weren't, you know, together last year. And it was the wars they had in the ring kind of gave respect. And, I mean, they're just so much fun. Just so hard hitting. And, you know, credit not only to Danny Birch, but obviously to Only Lorcan as well. There's only one Only Lorcan. And absolutely brilliant they were. And the one, two, they definitely deserve to be tag team of the year for the WNR. So we've only got the big ones left now. We've only got match, men, pay-per-view and women. And we're going to do that in that order, I feel. So match of the year. Now, we, well, we, I say we, we keep a note of the pay-per-view ratings. And, of course, what matches of the night that we had at the pay-per-views. So I think it's only fair that we consider the 12 matches that we've got as matches of the night, to actually be, you know, as part of it. Plus, I've got a couple other standout matches as well. All right, so match of the year. We'll just run through our matches of the night at each pay-per-view. So at the rule, uh, at NXT TakeOver in... Philly! Uh, I went for Cien Gagano. 
I also went for Cien Gagano. In the Royal Rumble match, uh, I went Women's Rumble. I also went Women's Rumble. Chamber, Women's Chamber. Also Women's Chamber. Fastlane Rude versus Orton. Also Rude versus Orton. Lennox New Orleans, Chomper versus Gagano. Also went for Chomper Gagano. Well, what do you keep copying me for? Uh, we had um, Brian and Shane versus KOZ. Who the fuck are KOZ? Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Oh, there we go. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn versus Brian and Shane. Also went for that match as well. Backlash, Miz versus Rollins. Also that one. NXT Chicago, Chumper versus Gagano. Also that one. In the Bank, AJ versus Nakamura. Also that one. Extreme Rules, Ziggler versus Seth. Ha! I went for Seth versus Ziggler. <laughs> uh, Chumper Gagano, NXT Brooklyn 4. Also that. Uh, Miz versus Brian at SummerSlam. Also that. So at Hell in a Cell, I went McIntyre and Ziggler versus The Shield. And I went Randy Orton versus Jeff Hardy. Yeah, that was a, that was a great match, though. I'll give credit to that. It was twisting his earlobe, wasn't he, and stuff like this. At Super Showdown, the Cruiserweight title match, which was Buddy Murphy versus Cedric Alexander. And I went for The Shield versus Dogs of War. At Evolution, the last women's standing match was mine. I also went for the last woman standing match. Ziggler versus Seth. I also went for Seth versus Ziggler. NXT War Games, Gagano versus Ali B. I also went for Gagano versus Ali B. Survivor Series was Brian v Lesnar. I went for Rousey versus Charlotte Flair. And then TLC, Oscar in a TLC match. And I also went for the same as well. So if I look at my, my shortlist from that, I have got four matches that really stand out one that we haven't mentioned is uh, Io Shirai versus Tony Storm at Evolution in the uh, May Young Classic Final Lynch versus Flair from Evolution the main event of course uh, Oscar versus Charlotte versus Lynch at TLC uh, those three were really really close but I've picked my match of the year Dan who do you want to announce it first well James I went for Champa versus Gagano at NXT New Orleans in that unsanctioned match. That was just absolutely fucking brutal. I too have gone Gagano Champa NXT Takeover New Orleans as my match of the year as well. That was the full. That's the other match. There's my little list there. That's the match yeah. that I went for. Um, don't get me wrong, the Chelsea match was awesome, but just everything that Gagano Champa match that first time round just felt right. And like the, the, I think you know, I don't want to ruin what the, the paper you score for that was it was awesome as well. But that match really, really stood out. Um, and I, I got you know, it was just it's just everything you wanted in the feud match, didn't you? After all that time, all that hatred, Champa Gagala, and they just left everything in the ring. It lasted about forty minutes, didn't it? It was absolutely awesome. Yeah. Anything else about your match of the year, Dan? No, it it was just an absolute perfect match. Um, both the guys completely tore the house down and just tore the ring area apart as well so we move on to um, male wrestler of the year your male wrestler of the year now I've got some nominees Dan so should I announce my nominees and see what you think yeah I've got a few nominees as well alright so I'll start off my nominees so I've got nominees Pete Dunne Pete Dunne mm-hmm. Buddy Murphy Ali B I've got Ali B as well Drew McIntyre Johnny Gagano, Seth Rollins, Ricochet, AJ Styles, Tommaso Ciampa, and Becky Lynch, as <laughs> because she is the man. There, <laughs> our list. 
Uh, so, wrestler year. Dan, who is your male wrestler of the year? I have to give mine to Pete Dunn. He has held the WWE or the NXT UK Championship for 550 plus days. Been an absolute outstanding performer in every match he's had, and he just—I don't know—he he's everything that is right with wrestling. Yeah, Pete Dunne doesn't have a bad match, and you can look back at any of his matches in NXT UK. And they're all stunning matchups, you know, and, and it's fantastic stuff to see. And I, I, I Pete Dunne, deservedly, is the WNR's uh, male wrestler, because I've gone Pete Dunne as well. You know, Pete Dunne is awesome. Shout out to Seth Rollins. If, if we were doing these awards, I think Seth Rollins would have nicked it. But with the feud with Dean Ambrose kind of going downhill, you know, I, Rollins really, the past couple of months, kind of slowed down. Not slowed down a little bit, it's just kind of not been the same. Um... But Pete Dunne for me, yeah, he's excellent in everything that he does. And uh, fair play with Pete Dunne because out of everybody, yeah, he is the best. I don't get bored of Pete Dunne matches. And there's not many wrestlers that I get bored with, you know. So I think that's definitely Pete Dunne as the uh, male superstar of the year. Tiny two awards left and they are two huge ones. First up, we're going to do pay-per-view of the year. Yes, well... Looking back at my ratings, I've given a few very good ratings. Um, should, should we give out our ratings for all the the entire event, or do you want to pick out the? I don't know what we're gonna. Well, we start off giving our pay per view ratings for all the pay per views we've seen this year. Uh, the first one, NXT Philly. I gave that an 8.5. Yeah, I gave that an 8 out of 10. The Royal Rumble, then I gave another 8 as well. I gave that a 7.5. Uh, Elimination Chamber, it was 8 for me. 8.5 for me. Uh, Fast Lane, I gave that a 7. Yeah, I gave that a 6.5. I wonder why, because Bobby Roode lost his US title match from that. Uh, US title. <laughs> NXT New Orleans I gave it a 9 out of 10 I gave that an 8.75 I think I was being a bit facetious yeah. there uh, Wrestlemania I gave a 7.5 uh, I gave Wrestlemania an 8 out of 10 the granddaddy of them all 7.5 for me I gave that a 7 NXT Chicago I gave that an 8.5 I also gave that 8.5 Money in the Bank was an 8 for me I gave that a 7.75 <laughs> I know I hate when you do that <laughs> Extreme Rules uh, Extreme Rules, I gave that a 8 out of 10. I gave that a 7.5 out of 10. Uh, NXT Brooklyn 4, uh, I gave that a 9. I also gave that a 9. Uh, another 9 for me. Uh, it was an 8.5 for me. Hell in a Cell was a 7.75. <laughs> Hell in a Cell was a 8 for me. Super Showdown was 7.5. 7.75 for me. Uh, Evolution was a 9 for me. That was an 8 for me. Uh, Crown Jewel. Well, the biggest shit show in the world, wasn't it, you know? 4. I gave that a 5. Uh, NXT War Games, 8.5. I gave that a 9 and a oh half. Oh my god, you just got a perfect score after that, though. So. Survivor Series, 8.5 for me. Uh, I gave that uh, 8.25. And then finally, TLC down. 8.5. So, eight and a half. so with my reckoning, I have got NXT Brooklyn 4 as a 9. 
I've got Evolution as a 9, and I've got SummerSlam as a 9. New Orleans. And NXT New Orleans. So two NXT events, and I've got only one proper WWE paper, which is SummerSlam. So I'm going to work out my four. Uh, Dad, do you want to give us your paper of the year? Well, mine has to be NXT War Games. I mean, the first match, you can kind of shrug that off where Matt Riddle beat Cassis Ono in six seconds flat. Um, the two out of three, uh, sorry, the two out of three falls match, again, it wasn't the greatest of matches, but it wasn't terrible. Then you had three amazing matches, and I think I gave them all five out of fives. Alistair Black going against Johnny Gagano, Tommaso Ciampa and Velveteen Dream, and uh, the War Games match, which was Pete Dunne, Ricochet and War Raiders going against the Undeserving Era, which is Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly, sorry, Handsome Kyle O'Reilly, and Roderick Strong. For me, it was it was an absolute perfect pay-per-view, you know, even if it did include Matt Riddle and uh, Adam Cole. Yeah, well, I've decided my pay-per-view of the year, and, you know, NXT always do great events, that's no surprise. Sunshine was good because it paid off... Uh, what you know, stories. Ronda Rousey walked away as champion. So did Roman Reigns. It felt more WrestleMania than WrestleMania did for me this year. That's why I enjoyed that. But I've got to say, my paper of the year was on October twenty eighth of this year. Yes, it might be my birthday, but it was WWE Evolution, the very first well, women's only pay per view on the undercard, which we didn't see was Ray Ripley defeating Dakota Kai for the NXT UK title match. We started off with Trish Stratus and Lita versus and defeating Mickey James and Alicia Fox. In the tag team match, which was was quite good actually, I really enjoyed that. Now Jax won by last eliminate Ember Moon. Oscar got eliminated by Ember Moon there, but it actually told a story about that. Jax would go on to face Rousey at TLC, so that made sense. Tony Storm defeated Io Shirai and my chances of winning the May Young Classic 2018, uh, which again was one of my matches of the year candidates. We had Sasha Banks uh, and Bailey with Italia defeating the Riot Squad in the sixth women's tag team match. For me, I enjoyed that. That was good. Baza defeating Sane. Pissed me off, of course it did, but still a great match. And Sane is such a great character. Becky Lynch defeating Charlotte Flair in the last women's standing match, which, you know, you, you talk about match of the year, that is on our awards as well. <coughs> a main event, Ronda Rousey defeating Nikki Bella uh, by submission. Even that was entertaining. So I've got to say Evolution, for me, because it was different as well and it stood out, it's definitely my pay-per-view of the year. So you've got NXT War Games, I've got an Evolution. Are you happy with that choice? I am very happy with my choice, yeah. And, you know, I do have to give props to Evolution. You know, it, even though it fell a day before my birthday, <laughs> which, you know, as far as birthday events goes, it was an absolute shitstorm. Um, and, you know, Crown Jewel, it was kind of unintentionally a man-only Pay-per-view. Um, I haven't got Greatest Royal Rumble. Rumble. I knew you were going to say that, so I came prepared, Dan. You, all, you say that? Well, here we go. I got it. Seven out of ten were the pay-per-view scores we both gave. You picked the Brian, well, Daniel Bryan's performance in the Royal Rumble as your match of the night, and mine was the Intercontinental title match, Ladder. So, ha. Huh. Well, thanks for... Clearing every cup. Yeah. yeah. I keep everything. But, you know, um, outside of the NXT pay-per-views, 
uh, and you know we had SummerSlam and Evolution. I do think Evolution. It was a brilliant pay per view, even though I only scored it an eight. Yeah. But it was a very good pay per view. It was a great pay per view. We'll talk more about in depth about each month, of course, on our New Year New Year special. Uh, we'll talk about that. Of course, we've got the year end predictions for what to look at. 2019, whilst looking back at 2018. But there's one more awards left now, and it's WNR Awards 2018. 23 awards have we handed out today. Well, the 24th one is for the Women's Wrestler of the Year. Who is the true wrestler of the year, Dan? For me, James, there's a couple of candidates there. You know, Nikki Cross for just her amazing portrayal, the character that she is. But there is only one, and I use this term like loosely, woman that could take the award, and that is Becky Lynch. Yeah, I, I think I would have to agree with. Don't get me wrong, Oscar. If they hadn't fucked her up at WrestleMania, and she had that moment now, you know, I, I might have gone Oscar. Sasha Banks, who's been my pick for you know 2015, 2016, fortunately not been around. Uh, Charlotte after the hill turn against Ronda Rousey's be great, and Rousey as well, deserves credit. But like you said, Dan, there is only one choice. It is Becky Lynch is the uh, Women's Wrestler of the Year. So we've gone the same for man and woman and match of the year. But why Becky Lynch, Dan? Just state the obvious of why Becky Lynch is everybody's <coughs> woman of the year. Uh, just everything she has done, I mean, it has turned to gold. Her online game is just Bang on point. Just her general attitude. General attitude. Um, You know, from taking that sucker punch from Nia Jax uh, and just kind of adding it to her fuel, you know, the fuel fire, the way she attacked Ronda Rousey backstage. You know, I'm only taking one raw out of everything that she's done, but she has completely turned herself around in... Character-wise. And, you know, she's had very, very good matches as well. She has been underrated for the past couple of years. And, yeah, thoroughly deserves to be solely in the spotlight. Not only carrying the women's division, but carrying the whole division of everyone on her shoulders. Yeah. Uh, I mean, she is the best thing going in WWE. It's all about Stone Cold Steve Austin moment. There is your next superstar, megastar if you do it right, and I, f- I feel that they will. If they're cr- clever about this, Becky Lynch has got a lot more um, sustainability in her career, and it's going to be around a lot longer than Ronda Rousey is. Don't get me wrong, Rousey's going to might be around for the next couple of years, might be around for the next five years or so, but there's a point where she'll oh wait, spend more time with her family, or maybe go back to MMA after a while. You know, whereas Becky Lynch, from a little girl she was, you know, loved professional wrestling, used to train with Finn Balor or something like that, you know, came across... And for, for how many couple of years was treated as an also-ran uh, by probably everybody in WWE, you know what I mean? You had Sasha Banks, you had Bailey, and then you had um, Charlotte as a standout, and Lynch was kind of left alone. But then she finally made it, and now is an absolute just star. And Becky Lynch just an absolute star, and she should be the standout performer for 2019 as well. Dan, anything else about Becky Lynch? No, uh, I just hope they don't fuck it up. You know, I hope they continue her push. I hope she goes, kicks Ronda Rousey's arse. And, you know, ends her undefeated, goes on to continue being the man 
in WWE. Mm. No, so that is it for the WWE Awards. Dan, what are your thoughts of WWE Awards? I mean, uh, some may be a little bit controversial, but are you, are you happy with your picks? I am very happy with my picks, yeah. Are you happy with your picks? I think I am. I think I'm going to get a bit of shit for Finn Balor. But if I, if I look at the awards, I think we're both kind of evenly managed across the two. I don't think there's anything that you said really that are really quite, you know, that surprising. Want to watch Velveteen Dream if it's a good shit. Underrated Anderson, maybe a little bit of a surprise. Um, apart from that, Charles Robinson as the referee. Uh, Alex Light going into the Hall of Fame is brilliant. Both the same match of the year and Ronda Rousey. No, I mean, pretty happy with everything that goes on there, you know, so... I think that's it. I think that's it for the Christmas special. Dan, how have you found Christmas this year? It has been wonderful. So magical. And I always love this time of year. I just wish it could be a white Christmas. That is disgusting. No, I mean, we, we always go all out. It's been the best Christmas special we've ever done, Dan, hasn't it? You know? It has, yes. And next year will be even better than this one. Yeah, well, we always get bigger and better. We'll move on. Next year will be our fifth annual Darwin Awards. But, of course, because it's the Christmas special... And because we're just about to wrap it up, I will end on a song. And Dan, there is nothing you can do. I'm contractually obliged to you to sit down my song. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Adam Cole is coming to town Adam Cole is coming to town Adam Cole is coming to town He's making a list and checking it twice He's gonna find out who's naughty or nice Adam Cole is coming to town Dan, Adam Cole sees you when you sleep in he knows when you're awake He knows if you've been bad or good So be good, be good to say Oh, you better watch out You better not cry You better not pout I'm telling you why I'm going to go to town I'm going to go to town Adam Cole is coming to town Cha-cha-cha-cha What do you think, Dan? Go and fuck yourself oh. with a pineapple. So our next episode is the WR196. Of course, that would be WWE vs. WCW, Starcade 1998, Goldberg versus Nash. The streak's on the line. But that is it for our Christmas special. I have been James Rowlands, and as always, I was joined by... Dan White. I better do the actual normal thing, shouldn't I? Don't forget you can follow us on Twitter. Before we leave, let's do the plugs. Come on. It might be in the Christmas cottage. We might have had lots of eggnog. But don't forget you can follow us on Twitter at WWNetReview or... At Vince McDan, WWE. I'm at Jolens. Across all the Google platforms, WWNetReview on Google+. Send us an email at the WNetPodcast at gmail.com. We're on Facebook. Yes, Facebook. You can come and find our page and give us a like with the WWE Network Review Podcast. And come and find me and add me as a friend. I am Vince McDan. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, WWE Network Review. You can listen to our podcast on YouTube same time you can other places like SoundCloud. We're also on Spreaker Radio. We've got a live show coming in January. Stitch Radio, iTunes, where you can download, subscribe, rate and review there. But that is it. I have been James Rose, and as always, I was joined by... 
Dan White. Thanks for listening, everybody, and have a very Merry Christmas from the W&R team. Bye. Bye.